Roach, Roach Coach. Podcast. Hot all day. Every day. the Roach Coach. Podcast. All day. All day. Every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, back with you, back for another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, creating this new metal canon one album at a time. This week, it's a big one, you guys, because we're dealing with the big album, and we're dealing with an album this big. You got to get someone equally big to talk about it. And it's our friend. He's returning guest. He's rocking the airwaves. New record, I believe, will be on the streets as this episode posts. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, right. It's Kevy, a fake shark. Kevy. Hey. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've been bugging you guys to do this album with me for about a year. Mm. Uh, What I've realized is being super annoying works and comes in handy sometimes so thank you for having me yes it's off huge yes kevy kevy <laughs> really learned that if you just keep rolling into the dms and saying yeah chinese democracy when the answer will be <laughs> chinese democracy now you know what though rolling in and saying chinese democracy when and then being told no you probably felt like a music exec asking for this <laughs> album for a decade plus yeah, that's right man. we are talking about guns and roses record-breaking album chinese democracy which uh normally you'd say what does this have to do with new metal this album was made during eight different genres and when it finally came out uh well i mean let's let's just dig into it kevy okay and matt All right uh this record <laughs> oh i am here you met you are Matt's here. so excited i could tell he's huge gnr guy even bigger new metal guy so this is yeah. great for him mm-hmm. well i mean when we get to our histories with gnr i cannot wait to tell you about it. <laughs> oh beautiful perfect um so this album was released on november 23rd 2008 it's the that's a come down record for sure it's a come down record it's the first album of original studio material since the Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 albums that were released in 1991 and the first anything Guns N' Roses album since their covers album The Spaghetti Incident in 1993. Wow. It was, according to Wikipedia, a $13 million album. Most expensive rock album I, ever produced. I read it was ended up at $18 million would not be surprised that because well i don't know if i'm getting ahead of myself but at at 13 million interscope cut off axel rose and said you have to spend your own money to finish this and he spent an additional five million is what i read holy cow (laughs) wow (laughs) all right well kevy you've you've been in our ear about this your history with guns and roses your history of chinese democracy so uh, Guns N' Roses for me was first introduced to me as a a band my mom liked. She loved Appetite for Destruction. She liked a bunch of stuff, but it was one of the cassettes that I hoped she'd like c- kind of put on or, you know, CDs or whatever in the car. And uh, and then when so I, 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 you know, when you're like a little kid and you're just getting into music and you're like, my favorite bands are Guns N' Roses, salt and Peppa and ace of bass and that makes sense and they should all tour together you know what i mean it was kind of like that era for me where you just like kind of like what you like and you don't really you don't really know 
any better in some ways. I really liked Guns N' Roses when I was a little kid. And Chinese Democracy, I remember reading about it um, as a teenager, the sort of like what it's called development hell in, in movie terms where they just keep endlessly working on things. Uh, but not releasing anything. And the, I, me- I remember as a teenager reading a spin article where they're talking about how it was years into the making of this album and Axel was super open to like any idea anybody had. So like, for instance, like, yeah, they built a chicken coop in the studio for Buckethead to live in. And then Shaquille O'Neal came by and like laid down some verses on a new song. And even as like a 14 year old, I'm like, this sounds terrible. That there's no way that's going to be good, you know? And then it was another several years before it actually came out. And what's funny, and, and I'm curious what you think about this, Lauren, it's like, I feel like his influences for, for writing the songs, because Axl Rose liked lots of different kinds of music. By the time the songs were finished and came out, those music trends had like come and gone. So there's a song that sounds like Static X on this album to me. That would have been great in 99. This is 2008 that it came out. So my history with Guns N' Roses is one of basically getting into MTV right as Nirvana is taking over. And Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses are, at the time, feel like they're peers. Because the Use Your Illusion records come out the same year as Nevermind. And when I start really getting MTV, which is 92, 93, 94, they're still running a lot of those videos in rotation. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I think, I feel like VH1 is still running Appetite for Destruction videos. So I'm familiar with all those. And then I'm seeing videos for Estranged. I'm seeing the November Rain video a million times. And I know who they are. I'm not, I I know I'm not a real big fan of Axel's singing voice, but I'm still watching the videos. How dare you? I'm sorry. It's <laughs> just, dare you. I just wasn't into it. So I wasn't into it, guys. I'm sorry. Now Lane Staley, which is I'm not even I don't even know why I said How that as a joke. That's you. true. I truly did love. How dare you, love, <laughs> how dare you side chains me? Yeah, <laughs> you never see it coming. Uh, but uh, no, but I was aware, and you know, you would you would see those videos. You could see the and 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 I would watch. You know, they would talk about Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses in a very breathless way. MTV was definitely on his side. In a way of like, yeah. whatever Axel needs, whatever Axel wants, we're going to roll out the red carpet. But we're also going to roll yeah. it out for Slash. We're going to roll it out. These are the boys. And it's funny is that I just missed like the whole like, because I know they had the song on the Terminator 2 soundtrack. I was very yeah. much like yeah. hyped about Terminator 2. But for a long time, I was not aware there was a, a Guns N' Roses song. Uh, that was just not part of Terminator 2 for me. Uh- that's wild because that video was on so much, I thought. Yeah, so that video I think I just missed. I think that because that, it was okay. movie-centric, and I think in 1991 when it would have been running, I don't think I was watching mm. MTV. That I think I was still a little too young to be watching MTV, but I definitely was yeah. aware of Terminator 2, believe you me. And then I think there was also during that time period, you have the sort of weird sort of Nirvana versus Axel feud that would happen yeah. on the MTV Video Music Awards. I would hear about that. And I'm like a 100% Nirvana guy. So I'm like, well, it's I know good. where yeah. I stand in this feud, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. once he kicks everybody out of the band, and I remember that being breathlessly reported on, I was like, well, Guns N' Roses are like a non-entity. 
to me. Not without yeah. Slash, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're not yeah. and they're not making anything. There's nothing new coming out. And so for the rest of middle school into high school, I'm not even thinking about them. They're just like sort of like an old band that, you know, and then yeah. they obviously they had a song on the end of day soundtrack and that that was like a blip. Yeah. It was like barely. Because yeah. when it came out, I mean the the thing about that soundtrack to me was like I think it had a corn song on it, you know? Like that's what I cared about. Corn and a biscuit yeah, that's song. That's right, yes. And those are the ones that the radio played. I never heard this other song. And Eminem. That's right. And Eminem. So that Guns N' Roses being on there was like, what the fuck are they doing on here? Yeah. And so, and so at that point, I hadn't really, you know, didn't really care. And Matt, let me know if I'm stepping on any of your stuff here, but um, you're not. Okay, you see, <laughs> you've already stepped on me enough. All right, talking uh, about <laughs> Axel's voice. All right, well, listen, it's just a personal preference thing, Matt. Come on, I here's it, here's it, here's the thing. I have, I had to listen to this album, this eighty thousand year long album. So long. So long. Okay, and. I definitely did notice the things that I had held against Axel as a vocalist had less of an issue with now when compared to people that I would consider his peers. Because that's the thing ultimately is that when I mm-hmm. think of Guns N' Roses, they're like a glam rock band mm-hmm. that got, if the Use Your Illusion records were flops, I would say too big for their britches. But they didn't because those right. records were hits. Yeah. But it's like yeah. monsters. A, but a band like Poison can't you do a Use Your Illusion, you know? And yeah, and, and the bands of the of that ilk that they were, you know, they they just are way bigger than and and way cooler than. When in two thousand two, at the end of the Video Music Awards, Jimmy Fallon, who I believe was eleven years old when he hosted, based on the clip I watched, <laughs> comes uh-huh. out and introduces Guns N' Roses, and I remember going. Guns N' Roses? Yeah. In 2002? Like, what? Because at that point, I'm thinking that's the same VMAs that, like, the Hives and the Vines had performed at. Like, we're in the middle of the Strokes era. We're in the middle of Interpol's outlet. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm listening to. Like, and I'm like, Guns N' Roses? Okay. (laughs) And I remember watching this performance and going, like, all right, very bombastic. You know, and then there's, it a, was there's a weird performance, if I remember it. Like, well, the thing is that odd. It's very odd. Watching it back was a little different than my memory of because my memory of it was that it was very bombastic. And then afterwards, Axel interviews on the side of the stage with Kurt Loder. And it's very impromptu. And it's a little bit like Axel knows he has to do this, but he doesn't really want to, but he knows he has to do it. But then immediately, right. uh, and at that point, Chinese democracy is already like this thing that everyone it's knows. A, yeah, it's it was we, a monolith. Yeah, it was we're like waiting. This, yeah. and and they've Kurt, been talking about this like since '96. It feels yeah. like yeah, yeah. And so Kurt Loder's like, "Are we getting it? Is it coming?" And he's like, "It's it's gonna come. I don't want to define it as soon, but it's coming. You know, we had to like basically redo this band. We had to replace everyone in this band. And I was like, we know, we can tell. And um, <laughs> the thing that was interesting on the rewatch of this for the first time since probably I don't I think probably two thousand two. Although I know they reran it a lot. Is that the stuff that everybody talks about? Axel blows his voice." And runs out of, out of breath. breath immediately because he decides to run around the stage. 
And yeah. I was like, this, it's such a weird choice. The moment he starts running, I'm like, there's no way. I'm feeling out of breath watching him run. So yeah. he runs, he gets out of breath. But then on top of that, the band sounds like a cover band, a very skilled yeah. cover band. But it's a, it's right. not the same. Like it's like Axl Rose and then just a bunch of dudes. And we, I was kind of kind of save this a little bit, but I was thinking about it, it's like the problem for Guns N' Roses coming out of this, irregardless of the quality of Chinese democracy, is that by losing Duff, Izzy, Slash, they're no longer cool. Because yeah. mm-hmm. Slash and Duff and Axel and Izzy together, very cool. Axel Rose yeah. by himself, not cool. This is not cool. It's just I, yeah. I can't. It's the thing about it is that Slash for a long time, Slash on his own was like yeah. a cool credential, like Slash yeah. coming out of the ground to solo somewhere, sick as fuck. Yeah. yeah, but you didn't have to like Guns and Roses. He was just a cool signifier. Even now. Yeah. In whatever state you want to call Guns N' Roses, Slash is still pretty cool. Oh, he's cool. He's the coolest member of the band for sure. And the thing oh, about it, though, is by a lot. Well, here's the yeah. thing. I, so after listening to this album for three times, I went down something that some people would say is not a good place to be. It's called a Velvet Revolver hole. Okay. Oh, God. I watched all the Velvet Revolver single videos. And the thing that struck me was that they're doing Guns N' Roses cosplay, but they're still kind of cool. Slither is a great song. That's the thing. And I'm yeah. I'm producing a band right now, and and our two bands are having a never-ending argument about Audio Slave versus Velvet Revolver. Ooh. And it's such a it's if you really want a never-ending fight, that's the one. Because there's so many hot takes yeah. about because I think Slither is better than Audio Slave's whole catalog, but I also think Audio Slave's whole catalog, except like their whole catalog is better than the rest of Velvet Revolver's whole catalog. You know what I mean? It's like like we, we were getting into the semantics of it of it being like, okay, slash versus uh tom morello that's a wash okay equally you know like we're, <laughs> we're getting into that and you really like it doesn't you're gonna think about this all night now you know what i mean like i don't actually i don't actually know what's better i know chris cornell once he bleached his tips and started wearing a wife beater and got a tan not the same guy from Pretty Noose and Black Hole Sun, as far as I'm concerned. It's a new guy. You know what I mean? Anyway, total tangent. No, 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 no. That is actually perfect because watching the Velvet Revolver stuff, Slash and Duff and Metzorum uh, are still yes. being the guys. They have changed yeah. zero. When they met up with Scott Weiland, they were like, listen, you may be familiar with our old band Guns N' Roses. We will continue to make music that sounds like that. If you can fit your Scott Weilandy ways on top yeah. of our music, that'd be great. That will fit, and we will make that work. I feel like Velvet yeah. Revolver had the more natural fit of frontman yeah. to yeah. band, whereas yeah. Audio Slave just felt like, Want to have some fun? Let's go. Let's go <laughs> yeah. crazy. 
the, yeah. the thing with Audio Slave is that Audio Slave will always sound like oil and water to me. It's two sounds yeah. that don't that two sounds that separately I enjoy put together, yeah. and I'm like, no, no, this doesn't work. Going just through the Velvet Revolver singles, pretty sure I own the first Velvet Revolver record. I think mm. I picked it up from like a media play. Deep and, cut. Deep cut. And uh, <laughs> out of business. Out of business. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and and the thing about it though is I was like, yeah, this this still works. These guys are still doing the damn thing. It's like a lesser version, but at the same time, they beat Axel to the marketplace by, by two by four years. Four years. Four. They got two records out before Chinese Democracy oh ever God. came out. Holy shit! Yeah, I didn't know. I, that. I didn't realize that. Yeah. When did yeah. we? When would we lose Scott? Twenty fifteen. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So they did, and and then I, I actually watched. Um, I watched a slash interview with Howard Stern where they talked about it, and he's basically like, "Listen." He's like, that really was a volatile situation that we shouldn't have done, but I just wanted to play. Like that's he's like, yeah. that's the only reason they did the band was that he's like, I wanted to play. We we mm-hmm. met with Scott. We knew the stories of Stuntable Pilots, but at the same time, he's a one of a kind singer. And mm-hmm. when you and the thing is that I went through and I never even like when they dropped their second one, Libertad or whatever it's called, I didn't listen to any of that stuff. And going through those singles, I was like Oh, Scott Weiland was like really imprinting what he was doing, but still also mm-hmm. taking advantage of the fact that I have Guns and Roses as my fucking backing <laughs> yeah. band. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so in that way, I was just like, okay, this still works. And then watching the videos, um, I do not want to understate. I know we talk a lot about Logan. I Mater. also love that this oh. is just your history with Guns and Roses. Don't worry, Matt. We're gonna get to you. We're gonna get to you, buddy. But I just want to mention this. We 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 went off, off all the fucking rails. Twenty minutes. Deep. I know, Matt. I know, but I want to say we talk a lot about Logan Mater's shirtlessness. Oh, he's so handsome! He's so handsome, so hot. <laughs> Duff McKagan is the originator. That guy's got no shirt on in all these Velvet Revolver uh, videos, and he looks incredible, dude. He's a spokesman for Locks for Love. He's got beautiful hair, beautiful hair, chiseled, and he's playing the bass, and he looks cool as hell. And Axl Rose yeah. could only hope to be. So that's the thing that really is that when Axel fired his band, he also fired all the coolest people he knew. And yeah. so and then and then he was like, you know who I gotta replace him with? Bunch of <laughs> fucking <laughs> weirdos. <laughs> like that's the thing that makes no sense. I'm firing the coolest guys I know, and I'm gonna get Buckethead. Mm-hmm. What? It's it, because you know what I needed? I needed a really technical guitarist for Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Yeah. Not the yeah. best vibe player that's ever been, arguably, yeah. in, in Slash, yeah. who's just like, oh, anybody can play his riffs, but only Slash can play yeah. his riffs. Slash could play a one-note solo, and it would feel better than someone playing a hundred Yeah, than Melmstein so... knocking the door down and being like... He's... <laughs> yeah, he picks... We were talking about this in my band. Slash picks the right notes yeah. for his part. I totally you know? say that. All right, Matt. Matt, yeah. I bogarted the mic too long. Your history with Guns N' Roses <laughs> and Chinese democracy. Never heard of them. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, as a resident old guy, I have to tell you that that mid, like that mid '80s hair metal, I never enjoyed. It was not for me. And then Appetite for Destruction came out in like '87, '88. 
And like, it was a very slow build. Like it really wasn't until like 1989, 90 that it was like yeah, everywhere. Like this thing was not like shot out of a cannon. This thing was like the slowest burn that you've ever seen. And by 1990, every party I went to, and I'm a, I'm like 13, 14, so it's like the cassette. My brother had the cassette. It was everywhere. They were the biggest band. They were the coolest guys. They were like everybody liked them because it was like I was in sixth grade, and Pour Some Sugar on Me was the big song. And then Bon Jovi's New Jersey, I want to say, was like a huge album there. And then like that disappeared almost completely. And it was GNR for everybody. And then yeah. and then and then it was just like GNR and then uh just pop stuff. Like yeah. really just like, you know, I think like Mariah Carey started to come around that time. And that takes mm-hmm. you to ninety two, and then ninety two is just like every musical album, every genre that you've ever heard all got played on the radio at once. <laughs> it's like this it's like hey uh here's some goulash and so it's like bell biv devoe and then 89x comes out and now i'm hearing nirvana for the first time and the psychedelic furs for the first time and like who are all these alternative bands but then it's just like use your illusion comes out and my best friend matt rose is like want to hear don't cry wow want to hear want to hear the guy that matt rose oh he loves he loved 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 these guys but like i feel like in the hair metal scene which i never was a Mm -hmm. fan of didn't like motley crew didn't Mm -hmm. like slaughter didn't like you know Mm -hmm. um any any of them i def lever was okay but they kind of always sounded like weird because they had to add so much synth like there was always something else going on with Def Leppard but like wasn't crazy about Twisted Sister wasn't crazy about uh, Quiet Riot or any of the 3,000 metal hair metal bands that were happening you're naming them all Matt though it seems like you got them ready to rock Cinderella 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 Rat Warrant um, yeah you know Whitesnake I hated power ballads when I was a kid I just I was like if I want a schmaltzy song, I want the schmaltziest song. Like I'm, I like "Lady in Red" by Krista Berg. That is a terrible song. I'll take that over any power ballad. <laughs> I'm t- afraid for you to hear some of the ballads on this record. I'm just going to tell you that right now, man. Yeah, it's it's a weird. It was such a weird thing. I'm not excited about hearing some power ballads but <laughs> you know what i'm ready to ride but yeah like when night when use your illusion one or two came out it was like this really weird event and then all of a sudden it was just like in the middle of all that was nwa yeah. straight out yeah. of compton and like that shot a laser down the appetite for destruction fans that were like right oh no i i like this now and then, like, yeah. we liked that, so we didn't have to listen to Guns N' Roses anymore. And then some people went from that to Pantera, or they went to yeah. Nirvana. And that was yeah. kind of like, what? It was like this... It's actually so cool that that divide happened with all those really cool, defined genres of music at that time. Like, that's... I was trying to discuss, a, like, true alternative music, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's hard to explain Primus to a teenager. It's just... it. 
they were a successful band. It's really like so successful. Weird. They had hits, you know, and it's so weird. But here's my question for you guys before we get started. I know we have to. Yep. Do you guys think GNR is a glam rock band? Because I think they're slightly above it. I think they're glam, but they're also punk influenced. They're also like Elton John. And, you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? They they have a thing that elevates them beyond the genre. Like I feel yeah. like Nirvana found a way in their songcraft to elevate themselves above grunge as a label. Like Melvin and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yes, they did all of that, but they also had yeah. hooks on hooks that really mm-hmm. put them into the, you know, uh, great American songbook over like, here's a, here's the Jesus lizard uh, playing in five and fucking ripping your face off. Like this is yeah. way different. So yeah, I think GNR definitely was the highest echelon of that. And they had, yeah. And they had the longest staying power and they had the most mm-hmm. successful singles and they had, they yeah. had things that built onto their legacy where it's like poison had look what the cat dragged in and then open up and say, ah, and then it was like, okay, well there's really three singles that you can think of. And when it kept yeah. going, it was like them disappearing GNR's disappearance till this album probably helped them more than it hurt them. Yeah, they may be right. Yeah. Because they didn't have the uh, let's get rocked uh, <laughs> that Def Leppard did. God, I hate that song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Let's get rocked. <laughs> uh, well, two other two other memories that I have of this record. One was around the time of the VMA's performance. I was in college. And uh, there was a gentleman, his name was Eric, he ran the metal section of the college radio station. He was the metal director. And he was a few years older than me, and he was definitely someone who came up on GNR. He came up on all those bands, but he also came up on like that like early 80s era of the superstar in which he felt... And he had friends who felt the same way that like those stars were eternal and that they're, they can come back anytime and take over the zeitgeist all over again. It didn't matter. They could. Interesting. And so I remember he would roll in with these real hot opinions. I remember right before Michael Jackson put out Invincible, he's like, get ready for Michael Jackson to take over again. You think so? And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is it. This is going to be Thriller Part 3. And I was like, what? And then it came out, and it was like, nah. Okay, I think you're off on that one. And then there was the talk of Chinese democracy. I said, what do you think is going to happen when that drops? He's like, he's going to drop it, and it's going to be the biggest record we've seen in decades. I was like, really? You think so? <laughs> like, you think this is going to do, like, at the time, I'm like, you think this is going to do Chocolate Starfish numbers? You think this is going to do, like, Pearl Jam versus numbers? Like, what are we talking yeah. about here? And I remember him feeling just very confident about this. Very confident that it was guaranteed success without a doubt. Wow. When this record dropped, I remember going into a Best Buy and they had a giant end cap that was all Chinese democracy CDs. Wow, and it, what a what, time to be alive. And it was full. And the thing I remember was that I would come back into Best Buy because they were still selling CDs. So I'd be coming back in to pick stuff up. 
and that end cap was unchanged. No, no. And I re- Doesn't that make you sad? It, it made me a little bummed out. I was like, man, this record yeah. ain't happening. And it's funny is that the Wikipedia, which is one of the is honestly the longest Wikipedia that I've ever encountered for this show. This Wikipedia yeah. is a book. It is endless. Great read. Yeah, it's a really great read just because it really breaks down the journey of making this album like just on and on and on. It's 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 wild. Um, I couldn't even begin to get into everything with this. It says that the album was mostly a success and tries to play up that it was, you know, generally favorable reviews. Looking at the review breakdown, I remember at the time it being met with pretty middling reviews, but they yeah, but the ones time. that that seems to have survived for the most part is the four star Rolling Stone review, David Frick, rolling in hot. I read it. It's like reading a psychopath's last letter before he's <laughs> executed. It's insane. It's reading this thing i'm just like whatever david frick man you're on one <laughs> you, you do you, you crazy for this one david <laughs> you day you crazy <laughs> for this one the pitchfork review they give it a 5.8 out of 10 that's an ian cohen special uh, i think that's honestly pretty done on he's like it's neither as good as you hoped nor as bad as you hoped and i was like yes. yeah that sounds about right yeah uh somehow the yeah. av club gave it an a minus i did not dig into that review oh it's a chuck klosterman review Oh, I would love to read that. Okay, actually. all right. Him, him reviewing this. Him, yeah, because he loves Guns N' Roses. He does. And then, oh, I didn't even yeah. see this. Robert Kreisgau reviewed Uh-oh. it for MSN Music. <laughs> of course, he did. I've got to pull this up. I got to pull this up. All right, this is taking a minute to load. Um, That's okay. While we wait for Robert Kreisgau to load, because apparently this website is archived or something. Kevin, can you tell us the genre tags? for this album you got it for chinese democracy the genre tags are hard rock industrial rock electronic and the reason we're all here new metal what yeah holy shit this is why i've been suggesting it for a year matt <laughs> it's on the wiki <laughs> listen he wouldn't be in the dm saying chinese democracy when if it wasn't on the wiki why, matt <laughs> i mean i mean matt matt i can tell you kevy i can tell you that since it's just been the two of us doing the show for the best year matt has gotten very precious about how new metal the things that we do and i get it and, and, and I get it. uh recently i just teased just teased just threw it out into the air just to see what what matt would think about doing a puddle of mud episode and okay. i said uh you know, does this seem like something maybe we should do? And do you think it's new metal? And Matt was so furious. He goes, I don't know, Lauren. Why don't you use your ears? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, touche. Touche. What do your ears tell you, Lauren? Mm-hmm. Indeed. What do my ears tell me? All right. So Robert Kreisgau, uh, he reviewed this just to, to give you uh, an idea of where Robert Kreisgau was when he reviewed this album. He also reviewed... The Nine Inch Nails Ghosts double album. And the instrumental thing. Yep. And the Glass Vegas album. If you remember Glass Vegas, they're also part of this. Also, the Dearly Departed uh, Jay Riotard Blood Visions album, which is a classic. What? Yes. Wait a second. Yeah. Wow. What? Forgot about Jay Riotard. Matt. Yeah. Blood Visions is yeah. amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. If you're, yeah. Hey, well, yeah, his... check it out. Okay. Blood Visions is great because it's just basically him making a whole album. Yeah. There's a pitchfork set at the knitting factory where basically uh, he, he did way too much cocaine. Um, okay. It, it is, they play all those songs 
two times speed. And everybody knows that this guy loves two times speed. It is so fast, but perfect. It is huh. unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You gotta check it out. You gotta check him out. Yeah, I saw I think I saw him at one of the pitchfork fests, and it was it was mm. truly something to behold, let me tell you. Um wow. yeah. And then those guys joined waves. Yep, and he died, uh, unfortunately. Hey, very very much so. Oh. Very sadly, yeah. Oh, but let's go back to Robert Christgau and Chinese democracy. He said, Hopeless eccentric spends most of his adult life and a large chunk of his ill-gotten fortune trying to make the perfect album. Succeeds, kind of, on his own totally irrelevant terms. Nobody cares. Since he's no longer capable of leading young white males astray, this effort do- isn't just pleasurable artistically. It's touching on a human level. Noble, even. I didn't think he had it in him. B plus. Weird. This is classic Robert. Classic Robert. It's... Now that I have you before me and my sword is unsheathed, I sheath it. I spare you. I spare you. You are now, you are no longer a threat to anyone. B plus. B plus. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. I have a physical what, cap- oh, But oh, isn't that the no. most fucking damning thing anybody can say about your art? Mm-hmm. Um, a noble effort that no one cares about. Yeah. Well, see you later, dipshit. Just <laughs> vanishes. Uh, the hook comes up and carries you up into the rafters. Uh, I have a physical copy of the album here, guys. I got it from the library. Wow. Interlibrary loan to the Jackson County Library. And I got to let you know that they must have pulled this thing out of the bin <laughs> because it took a week and a half to get this thing. I was like, I wasn't sure I was going to get it. And then I got, I got, a, I got a robot call. I got this call. I'm like, what is this call? And his robot voice goes, your hold is a, is ready for pickup. I'm like, Oh, I know what they're talking about. I know what this is. I know what they, I know what it is. Old Chinese democracy. Old Chinese democracy. Um, so I have the original cover art here with the, um, with the bike, with the basket and inside. Why? 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 Well, Matt, the art. Well, Matt, because people in China ride bikes. Well, I don't know why that's the artwork. What was really interesting when diving into why the album is called Chinese Democracy, Axel Rose literally says, you know, I think that that's a the concept of Chinese democracy is is very interesting, and maybe it can happen. Also, I think that sounds cool. And I was like, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Because I got to tell you. I like that reason. I like that reason because ultimately, and we've talked about this, is that sometimes you just got to just gotta th- pick the thing that you think sounds cool. It doesn't matter. And there are a lot of song titles and lyrics on this album that I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like the second song is called Shackler's Revenge. <laughs> I got to tell you, the, I- you just- the idea of Shackler's Revenge yeah. sounds pretty cool. Like I'm like. I mean, you just figure out the meaning later. You put out the song, and then 18 years later, you're like, I know why I said that. Yeah. That. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Shackler's revenge. Shackler's revenge. Matt, wait, wait till you hear it. Wait till Remember you the hear. the new metal tag we were talking oh, about. Oh, I can't wait. wait. Oh, the, the reason why we're here today. Yeah. That's Hope right. you like Static X. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about, and then we'll get into these. We we just got to take. Uh, we're gonna take another 10 minutes to tell you all the people that played on this album. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have the do you have the wiki in front of you there, uh, Kevin? 
I do. All right. Why don't yeah. Why don't we trade uh, off? We'll trade off. We'll. Tw- I'm look. I'm actually. Uh-huh. It's so big. I'm looking for the personnel. Okay, okay. I got it. All right. I got. It. So first off, we got Axl Rose. Lead vocals, keyboards, synthesizers, piano, guitar, samples, arrangements, and digital editing, production, Logic Pro engineering, mixing, art direction. Okay, next we got Robin Fink, who is, for my money, the coolest uh, Nine Inch Nails guitar player. Yeah. In Downward Spiral. Guitar, keyboards, acoustic guitar, arrangements, editing, and initial production. Uh, Bumblefoot guitar. <laughs> Buckethead guitar, acoustic guitar arrangements. Paul Tobias, guitar, piano, arrangements. Richard Fortas, guitar. Tommy Stinson, bass guitar, backing vocals, arrangements. Brain, drums, arrangement, initial production, engineering, drum machine and drum programming, and Logic Pro engineering. Frank Ferrer, drums. Dizzy Reed. Keyboards, backing vocals, synthesizers, piano, arrangements, Logic Pro engineering. Chris Pittman, keyboards, sub-bass, synthesizers, bass and drum programming, backing vocals, 12-string guitar, drum machine, and string machine, Mellotron, arrangements, digital editing, engineering, additional production, Logic Pro engineering. Josh Freeze, arrangements, which isn't true because he dr- oh he drummed, but they deleted all his tapes. That's right. Sorry. Josh Freese, so so many, many people worked on this album over many years. Some of their work was included from beginning to end, in which we will, we will go through many of these songs, five guitarists, all five of them, you, yeah. and you hear them all. And some people were removed, and then they brought in another guy, and they said, you need to redo everything this guy did, because we're deleting it all. <laughs> but you need to do yeah. exactly what he did, but we're deleting it all. Which is what happened with yeah. Josh Freese, according to the wiki, he was worked on this album for years and years, and then either he left, he was fired, we don't know, no one knows, and then they brought in Brain, and they said, Brain, do what Josh was doing. Exactly. And but Brain also, is but the also, drummer from Primus. Yes. Tommy Stinson from The Replacements. I didn't know there was a yeah. Replacements guy on this album. And that's also really contributes to the sound, because Axl Rose is like, all right, let me get a Nine Inch Nails guy. And the guy from The Replacements, and the guy from Primus, and whatever the fuck Buckethead is. <laughs> Put them all in there, baby. And then add a little Axel Rose on top. Ooh, do we have vitamin Axel? Matt, the vitamin Axel overdose. All right. We should mention that production on this record is attributed ultimately to Axel Rose. No. And Karam Costanzo. Consta- the W Axel Rose. <laughs> Uh, w. w Axel Rose, yeah. yes. Yeah, I mean, you have so many people. At one point, Roy Thomas Baker was involved. At one point, Sean Beaven from uh, Nine Inch Nails yeah. Marilyn Manson fame was involved. And on and on. People just come in and come out. It just feels like people are just rolling in all the time. Famously, in 2003, radio DJ Eddie Trunk played a demo of the song IRS, which was leaked to him by New York Mets catcher Mike Piazza. What a sentence! What a sentence. <laughs> so one one cool thing here, uh, I played in a band with Billy Howardell from A Perfect Circle. He was the engineer on this album for a while. It's where he met Josh Freeze, and that's how he became the drummer in Perfect Circle, was wow. they met making this record. Uh, are, you, are you still in contact with Billy at all these days? Yeah, yeah, of course. Is he aware yeah. that 
that first A Perfect Circle album was shorthand for young men in America in the early 2000s. Just Mayor de Noms just was like, you could just make eye contact with somebody and be like, Mayor de Noms? And they go, yeah, absolutely. You know, you would bond with that person. Is he aware of that impact on young men? I think he's too humble to think he oh. matters at all. Uh, he's a good dude. Uh, I know that because I'm one of those young men. Mm. So... But I don't want to make it weird, so I will not text him that now. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 text him that. Yeah. Please don't text him that I don't enjoy a perfect circle. You got it, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> we will neither inflate nor deflate his ego. Uh, so I think I think hey, listen, this guy you don't know doesn't like what you did once. <laughs> oh God, how will I live? <laughs> For our listeners. Truly, if you want to know everything that went on, the ups and downs of it all, the Wikipedia is crazy thorough, and you can you can yep. get all of the history. But just know that this record took fucking forever to come out. When it did finally come out, we should we should mention this: it debuted at number three, was not a number one record, went up against the uh, the predictions of my buddy Eric, and it sold a million copies. So it did go platinum. I'll get into some of the reactions that the band, the former band members had to this album as we go on. But I think it's time that we dive into some of these tracks. And diving, truly diving is the only word to describe. Kevi, how do we kick this record off? The first track is called Chinese Democracy. Mm. We're setting the tone. Matt, it's, it's, it's been a decade Sorry, plus. You woke me up. It's been a decade plus. What's another minute or so? All right. Waited 16 years to hear this album. No, no, not yet. We got to milk this riff. We got to milk it forever. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's all I can play. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the funny thing about this. It takes forever to get started. And then when that riff comes in, I remember the first time I heard this, I went, oh, he really, he really is believing in the iconography and how this band is perceived in his mind. Because he puts, he puts literal wind sound effects underneath it to make it seem like it's like, it literally is the guitarist on the mountain, the guitarist in the middle of the desert playing the riff of riffs, except it's not the riff of riffs. It's okay, but it's not the riff of riffs, you know? (laughs) 
and then the thing is that when the song actually kicks in, you're like, well, that's eight layers of stuff. And uh, I wrote in my notes, GNR, they're back. Axel does honestly sound vocally very good on this whole album. Yeah. His vocals are, I mean, they mm-hmm. better be good. Yeah. He doesn't sound, yeah, he sounds the same as he does on the old. I went back and listened to um, most of Appetite for Destruction is just sort of like a, let me go from the bottom to the top, you know? And yeah, I mean, vocally, he he, he kept it going in the studio for this album. I wrote that the chorus is both kind of butt and new at the exact same time. And since this is post Volvo Revolver, which in a way is like the any plus ultra butt rock, I don't know what this this is. Yeah, this is this. It's a it's a it's a soup. It's a soup. Yeah. In a bit in a bit of a way. And then you have an incredibly acrobatic guitar solo, like super. Oh, yeah. But you have five five credited guitarists on the song, and you hear them all, and it really is the <laughs> thing of like, what would this have been? if just somebody said why don't you just pare it down into just like a really sturdy rocker and it's like he couldn't do it and because of that nearly every song on this album is five minutes or five minutes plus this one is one of the shorter songs at four minutes and 43 seconds um but even then you could chop you could chop i mean you could chop the first minute out Mm -hmm. just imagine if this record just kicked in immediately as opposed to you don't like some you don't like the wind the wind part for over a minute Lauren, the, the first that? time yeah. i heard it the first time i heard it i was like okay that's an interesting dramatic start but like on my third listen i was like we gotta go we gotta go <laughs> i'm in parent <laughs> yeah. mode i'm like get your shoes on axel we gotta go you're late and yeah so yeah. i was you, I, yeah you better have the best song i've ever heard for me to give you the minute 20 it takes to get there or not not be named guns and roses like they are to me i hear this and i'm thinking is this dire straits money for nothing because boy i really want to hear that song right now instead of this song yeah like i got bad news for you matt this is one of the better songs in the album in my opinion oh no yeah this is one of the better ones yeah I mean, it's if you're a Guns N' Roses fan who loved their back catalog, this song to me is like one of the ones you'd like, probably. Like you know, continue. but Lauren, you're so dead on. There's too many. Every song has too many parts. It's like, it's it's classic overthinking a, a piece of art. You know, I don't know if you saw this, but Moby did an interview where he was like, they asked me to produce this album. And I, my suggestion is that they take whatever they're working on now and go rent a shitty studio and spend one week on it, and that's the album. And I actually think that would have been good advice because that's yeah. how they made the first album. And so if this song didn't have a million layers and a million parts, I think I think people who love Welcome to the Jungle would have liked this also, I kind of think. Well, you know what, though? The problem is, because we, we just discussed this recently when we talked about Corn 3, Remember Who You Are, yeah. and how... Great episode. Thank you. And that the the attempt with that one was let's go back to our roots let's we're all rich guys now but let's go back and the thing is that you can't go back the back to basics record is a myth and so in this way like guns and roses attempting to go back axel rose attempting to go back and making a back to basics record i don't you know i mean that seems i mean he went in the complete opposite direction but also his his own ambitions because as we know like he follows up appetite with 
the use the use your illusion double records and which are these giant opuses with big piano ballads but it works and he's like well i'm gonna follow that muse yeah what it seems to me is that when you dig into like you know the the whys of why slash and duff and everybody left though is that it seems like those guys are like you know we just want to rock you know and we don't want to like overthink it we just kind of want to rock and what i think is ultimately the 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 proof of this is not the proof that the what i got from seeing what they did with velvet revolver seeing what axel rose did is that none of them are geniuses but all of them have these certain skills that they're excellent at and when put together in that alchemy can make some pretty sick shit but yeah that i think at some point somebody told axel rose he was a genius and the he, market did yeah but he <laughs> yeah, didn't but he didn't no, i'm not fucking base. kidding the yeah. market did because usually your illusions one and two should have been one record but they they put their dicks on the line and we're like no it's a it's two separate albums can- can I just say most double records should be one record? Very true. Very true. Like, <laughs> get an editor. But, like, yeah, truly, they are both so bloated. And there is a in an amazing one record in those two. But they were colossal hits. Like, I remember watching the Today Show for the midnight sale and like in New York city, it was like lines around the block at tower records in LA and New York and the Midwest. And it was like, it was a juggernaut and it just sold and sold and sold and sold. And then November rain. And then it was like, which one do I got to get? Well, you got to get them both. And it's like, you didn't, you didn't have to get, (laughs) you didn't have to get both, but everybody did. Everybody had both. And it's like, to have that feed this makes sense. The part that doesn't make a lot of sense is how there's 14 tracks, 13 tracks to go. Yeah. Well, they wrote 78 tracks or something like that. Yeah. So I think we got off easy. There only being 14. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the fact that this wasn't a double album. Yeah. yeah. We're very lucky. Yeah. We're very lucky. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, but still the uh, just, I'm just going to read this. I won't do this for everyone, but just, just, to give you an idea, guitars on the song, Paul Tobias, Robin Fink, Buckethead, Bumblefoot, Richard Fortas, bass, Tommy Stinson, drums, Frank Ferrer, keyboards, Ricky Reed, Chris Pittman, Axl Rose, background vocals, Dizzy Reed, Tommy Stinson, sub bass. They need a sub bass. We've never encountered a sub bass before. Normally just bass is all you need, but this one's like, we need. We didn't have Pro Tools for Appetite. So. Yeah, sub bass. So then you got Chris Pittman, then guitar solos, Robin Fink and Buckethead. That's right. There's two guitar solos. Then also the intro is Eric Kando and Karam Constanzo. Vocals, Axel Rose. Arrangement, Rose, Tobias Beaven. Digital editing, additional guitar processing, and on. For one song. Just, just so much. Too much. Yeah. Too much. I imagine, Kevy, when you're making Fake Shark record, at a certain point, you're just like, everybody out of the room. I don't need anybody else around. There's too many people in here crowding me. All right? It's weird because it almost seems like he let everybody put too many ideas on on these songs. But we're also talking about Axl Rose, who's the ultimate control freak. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, did you, Lauren, did you read that thing about how there was – 
he just had musicians come in and just record days and days of musical ideas and then label them. And then they'd go through and pick like their top 20 and then send everyone home with homework. And then they'd come back and it's just like, where's the organic part of being a rock band and all of this. And like, as soon as the guitar started on the song, like I, I, I actually thought the song was okay, but it's very clear that Slash is not playing the parts. It's like someone else, you know? And it's like, I love Robin Fink. I, you know, early 90s, Nine Inch Nails, I love it I'll, mostly because of Robin Fink. And it's like, why is he here? What does he do? Yeah. Why is Buckethead here? It's just like, yeah. Buckethead should release solo records and do nunchucks with Primus Live. And that's all we really need for <laughs> Yeah. When reading about the process of everyone coming in, recording a bunch of stuff, then being sent home with like six CDs to then pick and choose yeah. things out of, I would just be like, I don't want to do this anymore. It doesn't sound fun. <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds exhausting. Yeah. And also just sometimes like, you just want to be like, what were the things that people liked about your old songs? Like, what is yeah. the, what, you know, I mean, this is, well, I talk a lot about putting a hat on a hat. But this is literally yeah. like putting on a full outfit and then putting on a second outfit on top of that outfit. Like, you know what this jacket and pants needs? Another jacket and pants. Like, no, yeah. what? You're going to be sweating. Every single one of these songs yeah. is sweating. This is the weird thing yeah. about GNR is like, you take a look at like Appetite, right? It is an evolution of a sound that's very much been out there. Like if the Rolling, St- if the Rolling Stones is like, rhythm and blues with an attitude of yeah. rock and roll guns and roses is a straight line from them with a metal edge that totally that's really what they're doing and then they kept going and use your illusion they were like well we can try different styles so like let's do get in the ring where i kind of rap and it's like yeah nobody gave me any shit for that so it's totally unchecked yeah. creative i can do whatever i want and the market loved it and you know, everything that I have around me is because of this thing. But then it's like met with raging insecurity of like, here's your Steely Dan homework. Um, like, yeah, I need yeah. 72 guitars to come in to play this solo till we find the right one. It's like, that's hard. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, what's weird, too, about Axel is that I actually think he's a he was a great A&R. Like he discovered Nirvana early, like in 89 or something he was already talking about them and and he discovered nine inch nails like their nine inch nails first ever tour was opening for guns and roses in england like their first real big tour was wembley arena like so he i think he is really actually is smart with music trends and like knowing what's coming that's why this is such a clusterfuck it's like it's like 12 years too late of all of this Mm -hmm. in a way you know Mm -hmm. and it I do think a slash played these parts on this song. It would have been way cooler, you know. Oh yeah, easily. The thing, totally. yeah, just the, uh, the tone. <laughs> yeah. The big shocker for me in my research for this album is that they do play these songs live. I know. I could I, not I was believe at some that. Setlist like slash. Why does why did Slash agree to play these songs on their current tour? That the, that is <laughs> just wild to me. Family, God of a food on your. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but, it, I guess but so. I'm thinking of like being like, are there Guns and Roses fans who are like, man, I really hope they play better tonight. Really? <laughs> you know, I really hope they play Madagascar tonight. Hey guys, you yeah. think they're gonna play IRS tonight? Ooh, I hope so. 
oh, let's get there early. Don't want to miss it. I'm like, these are built-in bathroom breaks here, I guess. Uh, so great we'll, point. We'll dive. We'll dive into the Guns N' Roses set list, but right now we've got to get to Shackler's Revenge. Here we go, Matt. Guns N' Roses, baby. Yeah, so this was the one where I was like, okay, the new metal tag makes sense. Uh, also, you know, somebody shipped over a copy of Rob Zombie's Hellbilly Deluxe to Axel's house. He also got a copy of Wisconsin Death Trip. But also he was like, like guys, I have to give a completely butt chorus. Like, that's the only thing I can do. It has to be. And I wrote in my notes that this chorus is pure, uncut butt. Like this is in premium, premium, but if you're looking for that prime, but go to the chorus of Shackler's revenge, my friends, I wrote in my notes at two twenty that what are we doing with these guitar solos? But that's cause I was a yeah. young man when I started these notes and I didn't realize by the end How of much it, this would age you. Oh, by the end of it, I was like, yes, of course, every song's got two guitar solos that are not in concert with each other, nor the rest of the album. Just Axl Rose is like guitar solos are on every yeah. song every song has well i got solo. i got bucket head here what am i not gonna have him do an eight finger tap solo for 16 bars absolutely well that's the thing and then he's like also i want robin fink or fortis or yeah. whoever i need you to do something else and then i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna cut and paste and chop them all up and put them all together because i can't i can't imagine this song being played live normally like there's just it's, it's it feels like it would be a car crash what this song is about, according to the good people of songmeanings.com, we have a lot of discussion about what the song is about, and then also a sub-discussion about the singing abilities of one W. Axl Rose. What most people say it's about, and apparently it was confirmed, is that this is Axl talking about school shootings, apparently at some point... I guess uh, Guns N' Roses were blamed for some sort of school shootings. So clearly this is something that probably was written in the late 90s at the time when I think, you know, that would have been something that somebody would have possibly put on Guns N' Roses. Although at the same time, I'm just trying to imagine somebody being like, yeah, Guns N' Roses are responsible for school shootings and being like, would any of young children have heard their songs when school shootings? I, I don't know. It's very weird. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of different people who are talking about this. Um, but what really is an interesting thing that comes up is uh, this comment here from Axel's Brain, 
who said Axel really shows off his vocal range here, starting low and then using his trademark scream. Really awesome track. It's great to hear his voice again. It's so distinct and so needed in today's suffering rock genre. This is in Rock Band 2, and it will be really hard for someone to sing and copy Axel's range. Good luck. I can't wait to pick up this album when it comes out. The first meaningful rock album to come out in a very long time. Good luck, Guns N' Roses. Many people are pulling for you. I love this. So then... I love how smug that was but also no real information so then uh so then so you have so you have all these comments where they talk about the first half of the scene oh one person says like oh this ties into like the virginia tech shootings that type of thing all these things talking about like oh it's about a mass shooter the first voice is the shooter the second half is just axel responding to the shooter's thoughts all this stuff and then so then we have a comment from i didn't write down this person's name and i apologize but they go in they talk about what you know what this could mean in regards to lyrics and then at one point says neither axel nor buckethead are known for their civic responsibility but i'd like to think that this is one of those cautionary songs illustrating the horrors that mass murderers perpetuate and not rebelliously justifying the underlying motivations thereof oh and axel's brain i appreciate the wish of good luck in hitting axel's voice and range turns <laughs> out i did it perfectly I sound more like him than he does. No way, you say? Trust me, I wouldn't believe it either if someone claimed that. Here, check this out. It's not Shackler's Revenge, but you'll get the picture. And there's a YouTube link. This is from September 2nd, 2022. Did you you listen to this YouTube link? I watched this YouTube link, guys. And what it is is a gentleman doing Welcome to the Jungle at karaoke except it was filmed with i don't know the world's cruddiest camera of course and the people in the karaoke bar do not care that he is singing as most people don't so they are talking and if you listen really hard which i did i turned it up he does sound pretty good but he is being (laughs) drowned out by the karaoke bar that does not give a shit that he's crushing because as anyone will tell you if you go to karaoke and you're really good no 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 you can't be really good at karaoke it kills the vibe you've got to be either bad or okay that's what karaoke demands all right if you're really good everyone's like ah shit a good singer's here god damn it nobody wants to deal with that so but the yeah. fact that he included a uh, a youtube link of him crushing if you listen hard, uh, it was incredible. Uh, and then, yeah, Wow OMG said, "I have Axel's range. I can go higher too, but it's not a scream, so not as cool. I am so jealous of him, the lucky bitch." Top-notch comments. Wow. So, so Lauren, the the comment where the guy posted the YouTube link. How long was that after the comment he's responding to? Because what I want to know oh. is, did you see the comment? And oh. he's like, I got to prove this oh. guy wrong. I'll oh, be right well, actually, back. if you want to know. It's basically the Chinese democracy of comments because (laughs) Axel's brain posted on August 25th, 2008, and the other person posted on September 2nd, 2022. So there you go. They sat on this one. They got in everyone they knew. They're like, who are my best commenters? Got to get my best commenters in. Got to get them in. Got to get them in. You know, everybody rolls in like, all right, they're in. 
Then he fires all those guys. No, your comments not good enough. Get out of here. Not Not good good enough enough comments. Get out of here. You know, Moby comes in. He's like, listen, you need to go back to base. You need to go move into your parents' basement. Okay, write the comment in your parents' basement. Go back to your roots. He's like, I can't do it. I'm a grown man now. I have my own house. It's weird. My parents have bad. It's been 14 years. It's been 14 years. I can't go back home. I can't go back home. And so then he finally. He's like, I'm working on this comment. And his wife's like, I'm going to leave you if you don't post this comment. And he's like, okay, fine. I'm going to post this comment. (laughs) And he posted that comment. And then he, you know, he probably took his kids to soccer right after. A Chinese democracy of comments. So we're two tracks deep, guys. Better pick up the taste. Better you say, Matt? That's the next song. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? was when Axel was really deep into Lannis Morissette. Totally. Fuck a million times off. Oh my God. Why? Matt, a million Why? times? Yes. They probably did fuck off a million times. <laughs> they worked on sound for years. They were Holy fucking off all the time. Holy shit. Why? Why? Guys, why? Matt. His voice is so one of one that it's very difficult to hear him in a pop rock song and then he's like you know what this needs change up that tempo a really weird shift in the court why not do it straight ahead nope so i mean this is the problem with about 20 more songs on this album i realize it's only a 14 track (laughs) album it's too many parts it's trying to force in what people like with about gnr with like the new sound because to me, this song sounds like, if you do the vocals, that beginning part up until the pre-chorus, sounds like Taproot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or Deftones or something. Anyway, sorry. Well, no, Lord. no, I think you're right. because. <laughs> but the thing is, is that going with, I think your first instinct is right, though. You say Taproot, okay? You don't say Corn. You don't say Limp Bizkit. You don't say one of the big ones. There are so many songs on here where it's like Axl Rose is not being influenced by the main guys. He's like he's like the second tier guys. He's like he's like somebody walking in the room be like, "Man, have you uh have you heard Nirvana?" And he's like, "Nirvana's good, but have you heard this?" And he slides a copy of Fuel's Shimmer across the table. It's like, "What?" What fuels your guy? There is I mean, I don't want to step on my own notes, but there's like some other stuff that comes up later where I was like, 
this guy was in his car and he heard fucking vertical horizon and he was like pull over He's like, Pearl Jam. Yeah, great. Do you like Tad? <laughs> so he, Man, Tad here, fans the, are getting the thought blown I keep up. Having, they're getting blown up. They're just so upset. People who love Tad love the Roach Coach. I think I had I kept having this thought that I think Axl Rose wants to, wants to make a solo record, but he also wants to make a GNR record. So I feel like you could split this album into – Songs like the first two, which are like Shackler's Revenge and Chinese Democracy, and those could be like GNR songs. And then this song could be like an Axl Rose song. And like, like you'll, I think you'll see what I mean. It's like, he wants to write like a, you know, he writes a song and then he tries to force butt rock into it because that's he, what he thinks people want from him. And they do, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what I mean? But I don't think he can just write a song like that anymore. And also his band is gone. So the people who probably provided that are just gone now so yeah, yeah it, it's a mess the way that his voice floats on that music is off-putting it's almost uncanny valley like it's like oh we're just getting started on it being off-putting with the backing music wait matt, for the next song listen, sorry no, way ahead of my kevin's right kevin here's the thing matt is that you say stuff and kevin and i are like two ptsd <laughs> victims who are just like matt you don't even know you talk about an uncanny valley oh if only the valley was just uncanny if only it was slightly woozy all right all right matt we're on oh, the good no. yeah buddy right yeah this is the good part um next up we have a song also every title i'm just like Every title, they're either it's like this sounded cool at the time, or something's missing from it that sounds when you say it. So this next song is called "Street of Dreams." I'm out. <laughs> See you later, Kevin. Bye, Kevin. Elton John starts singing here, and like, right. I wish. All the love in the world couldn't save you. All the innocence inside. You know I tried so hard to make you. Interscope's like, who gives a shit? Just get it out there. Oh. Oh. Exactly, Matt. Exactly. I wrote in my notes that it, what's wild about this is that Axl Rose's voice to me belongs to such a certain time and place that hearing it either in the context of 2008 or hearing it in 2023, it's an aural anachronism. It seems wrong. It seems out of place. It seems like it doesn't make sense. Like I'm like, what is happening here? And then every song is like a hundred outdated ideas 
all of them used. All of them out of date, all of them on top of each other. Yes. And then I just wrote this. What if Matchbox 20 had a squealing guitar solo? What if Vertical Horizon ripped? These are the questions that Axl Rose asked himself when making this album. And then what's also interesting is that when you break down like what these songs are all about, which I will say, besides that one, a couple songs, there aren't many comments on songmeanings.com about these songs. Most of them are just bad relationship songs. They're just like, yeah, it's tough. It's tough dating me, yeah. a guy who takes a decade plus to make an album, fired his whole band on a whim. Although I read some stuff that, that they quit. I also read that they quit. I don't know. That's when it's all rumors. It's all yeah. rumors and innuendo. Give me one fact. I yeah. love a fact. Um, <laughs> the fact is that this album exists. There's your fact, Ke- Kevy. Street of Dreams. Yeah. Um, so I will say, watching Matt react to these songs is maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so thank you for that. Sorry, I'm doing this to you because I picked this. Okay. Uh, secondly, um, Street of Dreams. I think it's the worst tuning i've ever heard on a lead vocal off the top there that wow. part where his voice was all over it's like really really amateur sounding and then i also wrote that this song sounds like this song at the end of forgetting sarah marshall where jason siegel writes yes. a dracula musical this is exactly what this song sounds like i think like. it's the same year right is it- i hate this song <laughs> i really hated this song i think it is the same year <laughs> uh matt um i know you love a title like street of dreams um, oh yeah yeah that's a real first thought best thought right there right <laughs> Just, i don't know street of dreams street of dreams <laughs> i'm i am so tired guys can i just go back to bed yeah right down street of dreams it's fine it we put that out it's funny that you said musical because i feel like i'm listening to a jukebox musical for a band i've never heard of like this is this is an Andy Andrew Lloyd Webber nightmare. This is um, and there was a songwriting duo or someone who was able to kind of dupe Broadway into putting shows on, and one of those shows is called Jekyll and Hyde, and it I it, it okay. ran on Broadway for a while. I think they also did um. Uh, Ragtime, I think, was the other production that they did. Ridiculously audacious pieces. And the music is akin to this, where it's just like overwrought yeah. and dramatic, and you're supposed to like really be sucked in emotionally, but the words and every and how they're doing it is so corny that it just falls flat. Uh, but there's still people who are just like, no, this is exactly what I want. And I feel like, because <laughs> my mom loves it. And so it's like, is this genetically engineered for the ladies who enjoy, or that's shitty, the fans who liked, I'm like saying <laughs> ladies, like that's not, let's not add sex to it. Uh, the people who liked it early and now it's like, now we're grown up. <laughs> and here it is. <laughs> it, it it could be. It could be. Matt, I, I can tell you that enduring this song for the last couple of weeks, it's when the album, which you feel like you're getting into a bit of a groove with, you're like, okay, I think I understand it a little bit. And then it's like, you don't understand me at all. You don't listen. It's like, it's, it's like being in an argument. You don't listen to me. You don't understand me. You don't know me. And I'm like, shit, I guess I don't. 
Not with this twist every time. Also, Street of Dreams. Street of Dreams is the title of this song. They said, no problem. This is great. You guys got five guitarists in the room at any time. He could have done a quick pull, quick straw pull. But this is what happens when you're surrounded by yes men, okay? You get too big, and no one is strong Mm -hmm. enough or brave enough to go up to you and say, I think Street of Dreams is a stupid-ass song title, and I just want to tell you that as your friend. But as we know, as the the revolving door of people coming in, maybe, maybe somebody told them that. You know? Maybe somebody told them that, and that's why that person wasn't on the album anymore. They said, I think Street of Dreams is a stupid title. And he's like, I think you should leave. And that was it. Like, it is Elton John's Someone Saved My Life last night at the beginning. Elton John and he says that and all I can say is I'm already excited to see Matt's reaction the next song, the next song. oh you mean If the World yeah I mean that one <laughs> is there wait is there more to the title no Matt it's called If the World it's... Guns and Roses, motherfuckers. Just me and she. Sucking up that opulence, yeah. Uh, I'm on a yacht and shit. Uh, yeah. Somewhere he was sitting there in 1999 and being like, this fucking Robbie Williams, this <laughs> fucking son of a bitch, Millennium Robbie Williams. Nah, I'm WX Rose. What? Should I listen to more? Is there more surprises? Matt, or- Matt, I mean, the song is super long i believe this song is like five and a half minutes long i stand correct this uh, this is a shorter one it's only four minutes and 54 seconds this one uh, <laughs> what i got out of it is i definitely hear the robbie williams that you're talking about matt i also got um duran duran's ordinary world mm-hmm. um was a uh, one that i was feeling in there and also just imagining axel rose hearing some sade and saying why yeah. not why not me why not me exactly what i thought except Sade and Seal. Mm. Like it sounds like a decent Seal song if it was him singing it. Axel I really Rose thought that. Hearing Kiss from a Rose going, My last name <laughs> is Rose. I gotta get in. I gotta make my kiss kiss from a rose. And um it uh I wrote in my notes all the guitars in all caps because that does come in there's some guitars where it's like that he just he's like i gotta keep layering he's just like another he's in layer front of the board he's just like all of them oh oh yeah yeah i mean yeah. i'm imagining those sliders just all the way up and if somebody comes in yeah. and pushes the slider down a little bit they're out of the room they're out of the room get out of here what are you doing sliders up Kevy, I'm sure that's how you make fake shark records, right? All the sliders all the way up, up top. Yeah, all the Constantly. way. Absolutely. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. I also wrote in my notes, mm-hmm. wild how these songs refuse to end. They refuse <laughs> to end. 
it's like you are there as a listener going, now's a good time. And they're like, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. I'm going to stay up a little bit longer. We are finishing this conversation. Oh, you think yeah. this conversation's over? No, you're incorrect. I'm staying. It's like, oh my God. Oh. Yeah, this one is, uh, this one's real tough. Wow. This one's real tough. Kevy, though, you told me in a DM this is your favorite song and you're going to play it at your wedding. Is that still true? Okay, beautiful. Can't wait. Uh, lucky, The lucky lady is the lady who hears this as mm. you walk down the aisle. <laughs> but uh, once again, going back to the this being a G&R record half and a half Axl Rose solo album, this should this is one he'd want in a solo album, right? It's like, once again, it's like, I'm going to force butt rock because you didn't get to it matt but some distorted guitars come in it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna reinvent music i'm gonna put butt rock guitars on french trip hop which is what this song yeah, <laughs> sounds yeah. like to me it's it's he wants to make a hot ac album i think but then he's like ah people expect guitars from me let's just let's get buckethead in here <laughs> noodle around have him. it's it, it's like part of me like kind of like feels bad because he he wants to push the genre forward and it's just he tried i mean he did try he really none of this is phoned in it's quite the opposite mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean yeah it's, this is definitely somebody who spent like th- they were thinking about this and they never stopped thinking about it but then they just yeah they they over yeah. they overthought themselves into oblivion and uh and yet somehow it came out. So props to him on that front. Matt, how are you doing? You know, I It's interesting that we've been having a lot of conversations about artists lately. Um and kind of the artist's desire when they've been doing something for a while to really shake things up and do something different. But then there's the commercial aspect of like but you still got to put food on your family. And I and I hear this yeah. and I'm like he's taking from a Guns N' Roses 1987 Appetite for Destruction band standpoint. These are amazingly huge swings. This is like all risk. This is like 100% risk. But he's putting it out in 2008. Where it sounds like, no, I mean, Christ Gow saying, like, no one cares. No, it's so out of place. Like, you're so out of the zeitgeist. You're so out of everything that it's like, I I don't care that you're taking these risks, which is horrible to say to someone's, you know, art. Something that they really did put a lot of time and effort into. And also... It, it is like the thing that you are the best at your gift is that you have this operatic voice that fits really in to sloppy ass rhythm and blues with a, with a metal edge. Like yeah. that is your pocket and you could redefine that and you can do that. Mm. Like nobody else really could like, and you still yeah. have your voice. Unlike 95% of the genre It's like you and Rob Halford, you know, like totally. A, a lot of the a yeah. lot of the other guys they can't hit the notes anymore, and you still can. It's like why why not recontextualize that instead of being like I want to be genreless, I want to 
I want to be yeah. everything. And it's like, you're not, you, you, your voice is a tool of which excels at doing yeah. like you're, you're, if you're a hammer, you're not a screwdriver. Be okay being the hammer. <laughs> it's tough because it, like the thought I kept having is like, who yes, is this who album is this for? for? It's not for people who love no. uh, welcome to the jungle. People who love, Welcome to the Jungle wouldn't really have probably really liked any of these songs except maybe the first one. So the the Seal song, pop Madonna kind of song, it's like who who is this? It's just for Axel. So solo album, right. you know what I mean? But it 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 yeah. feels again that we, to that point, it's just like it just should have been a one off. With you like I'm yeah, for lack of a better word, like do the tony bennett duets album put yourself in yeah that way yeah. contextually i'm not thinking guns and roses i'm thinking axel rose with friends you know <laughs> like yeah 100% also i will say that uh i still like all these songs better than the new guns and roses Ooh. songs that came out this year so <laughs> take that how you will. I, you know <laughs> I what? You I have not <laughs> sought out a new Guns N' Roses songs. I, I, I barely made it through these new Guns N' Roses songs. So I was like, I'm all <laughs> set. New Guns N' Roses, Guns N Roses song. New to me. So, um, Lauren, was when you did your three listens, was this the hard one every time you would put it on? You get to this one and be uh, like, oh, God. You know, I, I think... Or sorry, the one you know, I think that about better. I, or sorry, I think that about uh, Street of Dreams. That was the one for me every time. Uh, get to, honestly, like, oh I think God. the next one was when things really got tough because that's the yeah. that's the first six minute plus song. So that's when things really got really got Matt's tough. Face. I mean, Matt makes the face as if we're gonna make him listen to the all six minutes and forty one seconds. Like just the and idea, you're not. just the idea of it. So this next song is called "There Was a Time." Having a conversation that's like, <laughs> holy fuck, that is. This is a Broadway musical. He wrote a Broadway musical. I don't know how else to say it. Like, he's like, oh, okay, I see the scene. We're calling it Chinese democracy. Excellent. Uh, will there be Asian representation in this production? No, <laughs> no, sorry, no, no. no. Uh, this is all me, baby. Uh, oh, no, oh. <laughs> no, you're gonna you're gonna have some Asian voices uh, hidden in the background of the first song, 
and then that's it. This song will have uh, some xylophone <laughs> noises. Um, and uh, there's a lot of everything on this album, but sometimes it's like it's not even necessarily like tuneful. It's just like noises. Like now the sounds of a guitar, the sounds of a drums. And it does yeah. have that feel of like somebody with like 15 to 20 audio tracks on a giant screen and they're just lining them up and send then they hit the space bar and axel sits back and he goes i think we could add more and the guy just sits there and he goes i gotta put food on my family i gotta right. do it yep. i gotta do it the checks are still clearing <laughs> that's the thing the checks were clearing everybody all yeah. right and then just crushes another rail and he's yeah. like my name is ming and i'm uh i mean i'm gonna push back on this cocaine idea just because i feel like the tempo would have been a little bit higher if we were rocking them rails matt i really think some of these so we got a little too much mid-tempo action going doing that i don't know have you heard 80s fusion jazz uh <laughs> like, okay yeah fair it enough yes those guys right. like you know, Listen, listen, guys. My as we all talked about. I mean, I know I'm a drug expert, as we've talked drug about on the show. On the two, you know, you're talking yep. to fucking oh, yeah. drug experts, drug experts, <laughs> and in my and experience, Lauren, when I look at you, I'm like, yeah. this guy loves Jaco Pistorius. <laughs> That's me, the real, real weather report head over. Yeah, here. I, I really am. You know what? I I think about um people doing cocaine in movies, and then they're they're really animated and thus my thought process is that if they were to make any music that it would be of a faster tempo the idea of doing a bunch of cocaine and then saying let's slow it down for a minute seems antithetical but who's to say who's to say in my notes very unheavy never has anyone been more washed that was my main notes for this one but at this point he was so deep in it what was he gonna do do we do we have any other thoughts on there was a time uh, to me, it sounded like they brought back the French trip hop mm. producer from the last okay. song for this one. Also, it reminded me of Oasis a little bit at times. It's funny, like those guys, like there's this there's this YouTube channel called Train Records. This guy Todd in the Shadows, he's really he's really good, and he'll do an episode about uh, an album by a band that the band was really successful, and then this is their worst album. And there's one about Motley Crue's album Generation Swine, and it's like. You got it. It's must see TV. It's great. But basically, my band always references part where they're talking about the, making the album and their references for it. And they're like, yeah, we wanted to sound lush like Oasis, but also like classic crew. And it's like, Those that can't happen. Yeah. Both things can't. So all, all these 80s and early 90s bands that would come back would always want to sound like Oasis for some reason. And I think... Axel's definitely into some Oasis on this song and another one later in the record. That's tough to be in Motley Crue and being like, yeah. hey, McMars, come here for a minute. I think we should sound like Oasis. <laughs> what? What's that conversation? <laughs> you know what? But that yeah. sounds, you know what, though? Yeah. I don't know him personally, but that sounds like something Nikki Six would say. It really, really does. Oh, yeah. It was Nikki Six's idea. So you know these guys like the bag you're handing. Also, Mick Mars in that documentary was like, 
Yeah, I feel like every idea I had, everyone just made me feel stupid for, and they just kept trying to make me sound like Oasis. Imagine like, having guy. Mick Mars <laughs> and being like, Mick, we need you to sound like Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. Mick Mars like, what am I uh, fucking doing over here? <laughs> Have you heard uh, Kickstarts My yeah. Heart's Riff? That's it, me. Like, that's, I did that. I did that. I did that. Uh, <laughs> that's nuts. That's nuts. That's truly. That's but, crazy. The, yeah. but classic Nikki. Yeah. Classic Nikki. Next up, <laughs> um, this, one's, uh, this one's for all our readers out there. It's Catcher in the Rye. in the other room just kind of like well well matt he's about to walk in to the set of step by step uh because that's what this <laughs> fucking sounds like so step by step family matters ass theme song music i i was like what are we doing here what are we doing here this is insane lee all right well, let's let's get a little bit of it all right uh matt whenever you a million times off matt whenever you throw something that's when we know that's when we know i i just want to reiterate matt kevin and i listened to this album three fucking times and actually kevin had to listen to it before this to tell us to do it (laughs) so think about that think about what kevin's been going through all right full awareness of this album wow like you hear that the name of the song is the catcher in the rye and you're like, okay. And then he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to I'm gonna say it. You're going to hear the titular line mm-hmm. in the song. Wow. We, mm-hmm. I, wow. 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 Yeah. So so on my listens, this no was notes. always. The, yeah. Perfect. No Who can notes. give notes to the catcher in the <laughs> rye? All right. Yeah, it's too. Perfect. You can you can improve on greatness and perfection. Uh, yeah, I I wrote that this was yeah this was some uh, real '90s sitcom ass music. Uh, worst song in the album so far. That was that's all I really got. I'm an album. Yeah, this was this is I think when I just really started to feel beat down, Kevy. And, uh, and and when I look in my notes and I just see like I've written like two things, I'm like, oh yeah, I was going through it. I was going through it. Yeah. So this this album is fatiguing. That is a way I would describe it. Uh, this Lauren, I'm curious to know if you felt the same way when I first was was putting it on for to research for the show. When this started, did you like me say to yourself, "Not another ballad"? That is that's how I live my life. Anytime I put an album on, <laughs> if, if I put an album on and it's got one ballad, 
I'll go, another one? Like, that's my knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. People know me. I'm like, get these ballads out of here. I'm not going to bed. I'm awake. Let's go. Well, Let's rock. Band, rock bands of this era love to come back with a ballad, and it's also another reference to Generation Swine by Motley Crue. The worst ballads I can think of are this one and the one on that album. We got to do Generation Swine next, guys. It's <laughs> oh, very Jesus new Christ. I'm going to torture us that Is one. it? Oh, boy. Yeah. Motley yeah, Crue. 98. Oh, oh 98. boy. Um, okay. So anyway, sorry to say that. I will also <laughs> say this is one of the older songs. Like, this is one of the, the songs that was existed for a long time before they actually recorded it. And they wrote it with Brian May from Queen, and uh, and uh, it's still not good to me. So um, yeah, like I still I felt like I was still recovering from Street of Dreams when this came on. It was like, oh God, not not this again. Um, I think this is this. I think ah, it it also has the bad auto tuning of Street of Dreams. It for me, it's a toss up between that one and this one of what is my least favorite on the record. Once again, Matt loved watching your face. Listen to this song; that was really entertaining. Oh. Is it, thank you, and also it's in. I just it's infuriating. It is like, as somebody who can be very pompous and uh, full of themselves, when I hear it on another level, I'm just like, "Whoa, you take the cake!" <laughs> and I thought I was cocky. And I I thought I loved myself. <laughs> No, you uh, sir, take the cake. Wow. Do we have a? Do you have more, Lauren? Are you ready, Matt? I'm feeling beat up. I'm feeling a little scraped. Taken his headphones off. Matt, you've only listened to a minute of this song. <laughs> Too many words. A minute Sometimes of this song. I feel like the world is on top of me, crushing me down with its helpless misogyny. I am a man and I have a Christmas tree. Happy Hanukkah to everyone who celebrates. Wow. Mm. Not good, guys. Uh, <laughs> not good. The thing about this riff, I wrote in my notes that this riff is very not Slash. <laughs> like, it's it's firmly not Slash. Like, Slash hearing this and being like, well, that, he, that guy doesn't That's sound like me at all. Like Definitely like, not me. Definitely not me. Like, you know, like, there might be some other parts where it's like, oh, like that opening riff of this album, you can tell that the, yeah. the note was Slash it up if you don't mind. Um, yeah. But here, I think Slash was like, oh, this guy definitely just did something else he wanted to do. Okay. 
Um, that's my slash impression. I think that's I think that's pretty, it's pretty good. Pretty good. It's really yeah. good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. This song definitely is one of the more stitched together songs. You really feel like they had these hey's. They were just floating around, and they were like, "We're gonna put these on a song, okay? They're going on a song, all right. No one goes home until we figure out what song we're throwing these hey's on top of." And finally, somebody. Let's just say it was Robin Fink was like, why don't we put it on scraped? And he was like, sure. And then they walked out and Buckethead turned to him and Buckethead doesn't say a lot, but he turned to Robin and he goes, do you really think it should have gone on scraped? He's like, dude, I got to get home. I haven't seen my kids in so long. They're growing up without me. I need to know what they look like. I'm trying to remember their faces, but I've been doing so many different guitar solos on this album. I just don't know anymore. I mean, we uh, we ran out of disc space like yeah. five hours ago. And he yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. You won't let us go. You so. won't let us go. So this is also a situation where we've been in this hole of these weird sort of, as you said, French trip hop sounding ballads <laughs> that you start yeah. to say things. You're like, please, Axel, please, can I just have a rocker? And he goes. Careful what you wish for there. <laughs> As longtime listeners of the show know, I've been watching all the Saw movies to work my way up to Sexy Chris Rock. And when you're in the Saw traps and he's hitting you with all the blades and you're like, if I can just get through this Saw trap of all these blades, I'll be done with the blades. And then Jigsaw goes, we're done with blades. Now time for fire. And you're like, fuck! Ah, oh, Jesus! Ah! Oh, that's, what, that's what Axel's doing to us here, you know? He's taking away the blades, and he's brought back the fire. The jigsaw of 80s stadium rock. It's, he's testing us. He is. He is. Oh, it is yeah. a test. It is a game. We are playing a game. The most dangerous yeah. game. The most dangerous game. <laughs> and that is listening to this album three times in a row. And somehow we, we survived it. We survived. We're survivors. We learned the lessons the lessons of hubris well we're not through the album yet we're not Matt's taking it pretty hard we're 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 a minute like probably like 46 of you know what this next one kevy i'm gonna let you tell matt what this song is called it's called riad the bedouins first out of here get it out of here i have never in my life in the existence of this show heard someone ditch a verse so fast 
He's in that verse, and then he's like, get it out of here. We're going right into the chorus. There's no pre-chorus right into it. I don't want to – don't even talk about that verse. I'm not talking about that verse right now. I'm in the chorus. Thank you. But that That's barely a chorus. That is like uh. – he slams into – like if you heard that separate, you'd be like, oh, did they earn this? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. Fully – I guess they're just like, we can't make it work any other way, so just fucking ram this car into it. Wow. Well, it's funny is that it's it's also, it's trying to, it, it feels at one point as if he's restarting the album. We're doing that moody wind noises again, but then instead yeah. of a fake slash guitar, we get a fake edge guitar from U2. And then the ahs come in, and you're like, okay, let's see. And then we get into these verses, and you're like, all right, we're we're moving, we're galloping, we're going. And then all of a sudden, he's like, chorus now. We're having this chorus right now, and it's like, uh, why are we having it so soon? Like, why did you do that? It's so jarring. So this is Riyadh, another weird cut and paste thing. Riyadh and the Bedouins had a plan and thought they'd win, but I don't give a fuck about them because I'm crazy. Oh my salvation. Matt, why are we writing? Why are why? Matt, Matt, you Matt, read that line again. Read that first line again. Oh, oh the first verse, which is Riyadh and the Bedouins had a plan and thought they'd win, but I don't give a fuck about them because I'm crazy. <laughs> what first thought? Best thought. He nailed that down, and he's like, "Do I give that a second line, or do or am I? If I nailed it, and it's chorus time." And clearly, it's chorus time. It's chorus time. It's chorus time. Kevin, uh, you write all your own lyrics, correct? Yeah. Okay. So when you are writing your lyrics and you like nail it, like Axel yeah. does here, uh, how do right. you, how do you celebrate a great lyric down like that? Do you do you go for drinks? you have a nice meal or do you try to undercut your great lyrics with an immediate slam car crash into a chorus? Well, first thing I do is I threaten my bandmates to the point of them quitting. Mm. And then mm-hmm. I, I take the band name and then try and hire them as hired guns. So I no longer have to give them publishing. It's how I do it every time. Mm, right. Big Axl Rose fan over here. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the the structure of the song reminds me of a thing I heard Marilyn Manson say once where he's like, never write a beat that would confuse a stripper. This song would have all the strippers in the emergency room within 15 minutes because it is such a car wreck. And then that chorus was like a seven dust kind of chorus. It, it was so such a once again, it's like a bunch of mished mash genres and no one saying no to him. And then. Those lyrics, like you're right, it's like first first idea, best idea kind of thing. It's like, guys, the budget's only eighteen million. Let's try it out. <laughs> it's like first thought, worst thought. That's <laughs> what you went with. This album took forever, yep. and you were happy with that part. Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. We haven't really dived into any of the guitar solos on this album, of which there are. Well, if there's fourteen tracks, then there's twenty eight guitar solos at least. <laughs> <laughs> not not even joking really there's like yeah, two per song so let's hear a little bit of the guitar solo on riyad and the bedouins uh it's okay. at three it's at 325 matt all right i'm on it here we go 
Guitar solos are weird beasts anyway. And the further we get away from them, going back and hearing one is very strange. Like, new metal is yeah. famous for, like, there are no guitar solos. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because, like, alternative, grunge, tons of guitar solos uh, yeah i mean the stupidest guitar solos like the guitar players were just like what's my personality in a guitar solo and it's just like i guess this one note played yeah like, <laughs> yeah which was like at least fun but like hearing yeah. that i go uh i don't connect with i don't connect with it yeah yeah like if i put on thin lizzy and I hear a guitar solo in one of their songs. I'm like, hell yeah. Or I just yeah. hear the, yeah, because at the end of the boys are back in town, right? And I get that sweet groove that goes into the double guitar, um, you know, where they're both playing the back and forth. And then at the same time, I'm all in. But, like, they earn it. I'm there. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear more lyrics. There, I don't want to hear more lyrics, and I don't want to hear a guitar song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this song to be done, please. I pulled up a recent Guns N' Roses set list from a show they did at the Hollywood Bowl on November 1st, 2023. They did three songs from this album at that show. They did Chinese Democracy, Madagascar, and Street of Dreams. Why? I know. They played. To make you mad, Kevin. And to, just for context, they played 31 songs. The most shocking thing is that they did six covers. They did Down on the Farm by UK Subs, Knocking on Heaven's Door by Bob Dylan, Live and Let yep. Die by Wings, yep. TVI by The Stooges, Wichita Lineman by Jimmy Webb. Okay, Wichita Lineman, that's a little surprising. Classic song. But this one, Socks Knocked Off. They did Slither. No fucking way. They did Slither. And then I looked. They do Slither all the time. What? Had to have been the compromise. He comes in. He's like, all right, Slash, I want you to play Street of Dreams. And he went, cool. I want you to sing Slither. <laughs> and they stared at each other for a minute. Except, you know, Slash has sunglasses on, so he can't really see his eyes. So he might have just been staring at the floor. He might have been taking a nap. And Axel was like, <laughs> fine. I got to put food in wow. my I got to put food in my family. I'll sing Slither. I'll sing Slither. I mean, yeah, it's it's a stalemate. Because every night, he's got to... Slash is like, all right, time to play a Chinese democracy song. And then Axel's got to sing Slither. So if I was at that show and they busted out Slither, I would be stoked. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they and just for context, uh at this show, this was this was the this was the opening, I'll give you the opening seven. It's okay. so easy. Bad mm -hmm. obsession, Chinese okay. democracy, 
Weird. Slither. Weird. Mi- fourth? Fourth. Mr. Brownstone. Okay. Pr- pretty tied up. Welcome to the jungle. Weird decision to start your set with two of seven of those. The fact that you'd be sitting there, you get It's So Easy, Bad Obsession, then you get Chinese Democracy, you're like, huh, okay, interesting. And then they're like, now here's a Velvet Revolver song. I mean, that's like an encore move or, or late yeah, in the set. I don't know. Yeah. That's such a yeah. weird. That's it's a three quarter through the set. Yeah. yeah. I just imagine some guys who just turn to each other going, all bets are off tonight, guys. Anything can fucking happen. Slither forth. <laughs> yeah. Anything can fucking happen. Uh, the encore yeah. is Madagascar, Patience, and then Paradise City. Uh, weird. Like several Chinese democracy songs in their current live set. Like. I, I, Axel's just so out of touch. I just, I don't even really know what to think. I, I, I don't know what he's thinking. Like, I'm, I'm not even making fun of him. I just like, no one liked this album. So why play so much from it? Like, why do 31 yeah. songs, you know? Like, I actually think Metallica are more in touch than Axl Rose is. I think they are. Well, it, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, bringing up Metallica is a good point also because 2008 is when Metallica puts out Death Magnetic, an album that we've given mm-hmm. a lot of shit to on this show. But <laughs> the thing about those Metallica albums, yeah, that's still Metallica. You know Very what I mean? much so. Yeah, it's like th- yeah. they're not good Metallica, but it's still Metallica, and I think that's what like carries them through. You're like, yeah, it's still Metallica in essence. Same so it's anger fine. is their biggest swing, like right? Yeah, yeah. And- and they are—they know everyone hated it, and they don't play any of it live. I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's like, I feel like, like remember, I remember seeing an interview with Lars where he's like, he's holding up a snare drum. He's like, "Here's the sound of success." Hits it. Here's here's the sound of everyone making fun of you for the rest of your life. And he undoes the snare and hits it because it's like that's what Saint Anger's snare sounded like. It's like he knows that was bad i don't think axel knows this is bad mm. I, I don't think so you know what i mean mm-hmm. no I, I i absolutely know what you mean and i don't think yeah. that he <laughs> i don't think that he has a gauge on anything right like he can, yeah because he's going out basically with his old band and s- selling out i mean they sold out ford field here like when they were yeah when they were here before covid like it was a huge show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, according to setlist.fm, their most played album is Appetite of, for Destruction, yeah. but then their second most played is Covers, and then third most played album is Chinese Democracy. Really? And then Use Your Illusion and Use Your Illusion 2, and then GNR Lives. Yeah. So Use Your Illusion had such classic songs on it. I'm really surprised to hear that. Yeah. Um yeah, Chinese Democracy has been played 584 times. Better has been played 553 times. Um Shackler's Revenge 106 times. But uh let's see Shackler's Revenge. Okay, Shackler's Revenge has been largely retired. It has not been played since 2014. Shackler has had his revenge. His revenge. He, he had his revenge. Um, <laughs> Shackler avenged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Oh, Catcher in the Rye. Let's see. Catcher in the Rye. Oh, oh, oh wow. Catcher in the Rye was recently played on August 15th, 
that's rough. That's wild. That's if wild. I'm an audience member, that's that's a tough one. That's it's so long. Once again, I'm sure. I'm sure the hey, you got to sell merch and beer and bathroom yeah. breaks some point. Once again, yeah. He probably he goes to slash. He goes if I'm if I'm doing slither tonight, we're gonna do catcher in the rye. And he's like, oh, yeah, fine, let's he, do it. He doesn't even. Axel doesn't even like it. He just likes that Slash doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, we've got five we left. Keep moving. All righty. The next one, uh, aptly named, it's called Sorry. I want to welcome you to my fuck palace. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> so hot. So hot. Oh, yeah, man. This is real Red Shoe Diary music here. She was a girl from the wrong side of the tracks. And, and he's a boy. <laughs> he's made of tracks. <laughs> he, he, this boy is all tracks. He's all tracks. This summer... Hold on for non-stop heat. Sorry. What? That's it. Matt, uh, yeah. so the, the chorus doesn't happen until a minute 55. So well, if you want to hear it. I'll never hear it. <laughs> so I actually wrote in my notes that this chorus does get the job done. Um, I'm working on it. All right. Yeah. You got you got to do some fast forwarding to get to the chorus. Good Lord. Jesus. This song is long. Holy shit. Okay. Okay. This is the first GNR moment on the whole fucking album. Mm. Like that actually contextually works as Guns N' Roses music. Too bad there's two minutes of bullshit before it. Yeah. yeah. They they have this is I would th- I would say this is the best chorus on the album. This one sounds, but once again, this is a pace job. This could he could he could have slapped this on half these other songs. The fact that they had as much material as they did and they couldn't find a good song to go with this chorus is nuts. Yeah. But yeah, this chorus, like, yeah, it's another one of those things where it's like the first two minutes of it. It's like who's this for? Like, GNR fans are. <laughs> who likes that part you know mm-hmm. it's so it's such it's so weird to spend 15 years and then sign off on that it, it's part. but it's it, i'm not necessarily shocked because of the success of november rain right and it's because of that that he go like yeah people like an epic and people like multi-dimensional songs I mean, this feels very um, Kilroy. Um, yeah. Like Mr. Roboto. Is that Foreigner? No, that's not no, Foreigner. No, it's Sticks. Sticks. Yeah, this feels very much like, oh, they like this, you know, they like Come Sail Away. I fucking love Kilroy. They're going to really get into this. And it's like, oh, they loved, um, <laughs> they loved yeah. November Rain. Well, I yeah. could do a whole album of multi-layered, <laughs> crazy ideas. Well, you know, like, and then yeah, it's kind of like 
we're just ideating here, man. We're letting it flow. We're just having some fun getting it out there. And then you get it on tape and it's like, I'm sorry for you. Yeah. I mean, you're 100% right, though. Because he, he hadn't been wrong before, really. No. You know, and each album was more experimental than the last. So it's just, I don't know. This November Rain is so captivating, like right, right off the top. Like it's such a long song, but it's like, it's such a classic. It's, it's a, but you know, I think at this point, just years and years of experimenting, and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this was a rough, it rough one for so me. So lost in the sauce, one. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his voice—he's—he sounds like he's running his voice to like a million filters, just cause. Like he's just like, what if I do this? What What does this button do? What does this button do? And there's like, it's like ethereal at the beginning, but there's like funky wah solos on the guitars. Like, why? Somebody mean, guys. somebody played it, and it came back in the next day, and he's like, I think I like the Waz on Sorry. And he said, <laughs> you know what? I respect you, Buckethead, and they're going in. Go sit in your coop. You earned it. Yeah. Uh, this so, is where I sleep. <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah. All right. Up next is, it. is a song. It's called IRS. can it be so polished and so soulless like so like no grit no like the thing that makes them cool is that like the album smells like beer and jack daniels and then you get to this and it's like uh, i feel like we're just this well-trodden grass at this point but this sucks guys this is a real (laughs) shit show uh, that well, the French trip hop producer is getting of that. Love that. Uh, this is also uh, this is also the verses reminded me of STP, uh, and I know that this this was the song. I think Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong, but that leaked and got a bunch of radio yeah, play before yeah. anything else. And I wonder what GNR fans have been waiting desperately for like so long. This is the first thing they heard. I wonder. I wonder what people thought. Like it. It pre. It premiered on Opie and Anthony, which is like notoriously a harsh comedy yeah. radio show. So I, I'm so curious what the I reaction really do was wonder. To, um, you know. But this is also the song that I believe was in uh, was in the possession of the baseball player, and then he leaked it because why yeah. why wouldn't he have it? That's right. You know. Let's talk about what the band members had to say about this album. The old band members had to say when they heard this. Um, Slash 
Slash reacted positively good. to the title track, and he said, that sounds cool. It's good to hear Axel's voice again, you know? Of the album, he said, it's a really good record. It's very different from what the original Guns N' Roses sounded like, but it's a great statement by Axel. It's a record that the original Guns N' Roses could never possibly make. And at the same time, it just shows you how brilliant Axel is. He later said the album was exactly what I thought wow. it would sound like <laughs> with the synthesizers and digital augmentations. Uh, after rejoining the band in 2016, Slash complimented Buckethead's guitar parts and spoke of the album in an interview saying, it is very different. It's really cool stuff, but it was played by guitar players that are very different from me style-wise. I also want to give credit where credit's due. Guitar players that played on Chinese Democracy are fucking amazing. Okay. Slash is good well, people, I think, is what you keep finding yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Izzy said I have listened to some tracks off the record and I enjoyed them and I like what I've heard <laughs> still those guys they uh, want a job Duff, <laughs> on my family Duff said I was glad to hear Axel's voice I've always been a fan of his voice I'm not listening to it for it to sound like anything I was part of because I know it's not that I think Axel saying his ass off he made the record he wanted to make and I'm happy for him I thought he did a great job the safest words you can say Matt's, in critique Matt Sorum said he was quote pleasantly surprised by the title track and called the album a toe tapper <laughs> Uh, well, he must not have made it to Riyadh and the Bedouins. Um, of fucking toe <laughs> I, I love Matt Storm just like tapping his toe to sorry. Gilby Clark said, I think it's a really good record. I honestly do. Knowing the direction in which he wanted to take the band, I think he hit the nail on the head. I think he did a great job. Steven Adler, asked if he liked the album, said, not one bit. I didn't recognize Axel's voice on it. There's occasional parts where he does this loud screen, but I didn't even know it was him. He also criticized labeling the album as Guns N' Roses, stating it should have been released as an Axel solo record. And there we go. Finally, founding Guns N' Roses guitarist Tracy Guns found it, quote, overindulgent, sterile, and not that exciting. See, that person so, knows. Tracy Guns. You know what? Uh, having been a, a longtime Roach mm. Coach fan and listener, it reminds me of what you guys said about Results May Vary, the Limp Biscuit record. It should have been a Fred Freddie mm. D solo record because he was really into like Puddle yeah. of Mud and stuff at that time. And, and there was like four songs that could have been Biscuit songs, and the rest were yeah. like Fred Durst's, you know, passion projects. I yeah, feel the like Polar this Bear is should like have been that. on the Ice Flow. You know? That's for that, sure. That's right, Matt. You nailed it. Um, <laughs> I, I will say about wow. IRS that I thought this song, and this is you know when you're deep in your notes and you just want the want it to end. I thought this song on my third listen was hilarious and adorable. Um, <laughs> that chorus of "Gonna call the president, gonna call a private eye, gonna get yeah. the IRS." Gonna need, I mean, that sounds. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's just such a wild power structure. It's like getting all of those people. They're all different jobs. The IRS is money. <laughs> a private eye is looking for someone who's missing or digging up dirt. The FBI, they're ton serial killers. The president? The president? He's got a lot of other stuff on his plate. And Axel's like, I don't know who now to get. I'm going to get all these. Axel Rose I'm going to get all these guys in the same room and see if they can sort this out. This thing that's going on between you and me. 
That's how serious this relationship is. He's getting the president, a private eye, the people in charge of our taxes, and the and and mine hunters. <laughs> That's who he's getting in the room. <laughs> Honestly, that doesn't speak yeah. well of your relationship. He's like, you know, what we need to get in here, the mind hunters, because you crazy girl, girl, you crazy, you crazy, you about to wear my skin as a suit. That's what I think, and I'm getting the mind hunters in here. <laughs> um, Are we ready? We're ready. It's Madagascar. Yeah. talk about it guys why does he sound like tina turner what is happening here this is so bizarre i did not realize until i watched the video from the vmas in 2002 that this was the new song that they played in between the two classics and according to the very uh, the various commenters in songmeanings.com this song is about the rumors and accusations <laughs> pitched at him after the members were quit or fired from the band and he's just done with that he's ready to move on to his next step in his life the new era of guns and roses and this is him leaving it behind apparently if you're deep into the guns and roses lore previous songs are referenced on this song but let's not overlook the main thing that happens on this song at three minutes in um, he samples the I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King Jr. What? what? Yeah, Matt. I'm going to tell you. Stand up for righteousness. What? Stand up for justice. Yeah. What? Stand up for Listen, when I first heard the Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, <laughs> I was like... Yeah, I was like, you know what this needs? This needs some sick Robin Fink underneath, all right? This needs some killer bucket head, all right? Listen, I think a lot of people heard what Martin Luther King Jr. was saying when he did that speech, but imagine, imagine if Tommy Stinson was there. Imagine Martin Luther King Jr. and the replacements could have been something great. Finally. Finally. Kevin. Yeah. This reminded me of on Get Him to the Greek when it showed Aldous Snow jump the shark with thinking he's being deep with African Child. 
Remember, he 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 thought he was getting in touch with the people, but really he was just pushing himself further away from the people. Uh, that's how I felt uh, about that that bridge. Um, this song was also an old one. Uh, it, it's weird. It was like it, it was one of the first ones written. To me, it sounds like Axel was listening to a lot of "Dream On" by Aerosmith and also a lot of Portishead uh, when he made it. Once again. Who's the song for? To, to hear that they encore with this song often is shocking. Just think about it. Guns N' Roses finish their set. They play Night Train. And then they go off the stage. And you and your friends are like, <laughs> when they come back. Paradise City, baby. Paradise City, baby. Paradise City. It's going to be like you and yeah. it's like we'll be in high school all over again, man. When they come out and then the opening strings of Madagascar starts and you go, son of a it's Madagascar. Madagascar? Or more likely, what song is this? <laughs> Madagascar is maybe the most oh, pretentious title that this you is can this, have. This is a real sting you know? album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. So exactly. I went over to songmeanings.com because they had some things to say about Madagascar. Misty Gunner. November twentieth, two thousand six. People rolling in. This sound. This song's not even officially out. It's like a leak. Forgive them that tear down my soul. Bless them that they might grow old. Yep, all those shitty newspapers, fake fans, or simply those who are such who for such a long time enjoyed ignoring and criticizing Axl Rose. Be blessed. They act as if the fact Axel is older and therefore is not the same he was back in the 80s is something unusual. Well, guess what? Everybody grows old. Go see a GNR concert this year and you'll see what a 44-year-old can still do with the greatest rock band ever. And yes, by the band I mean the new members, because the new GNR are the best things in the nowadays music scene. Rock on! So then, <laughs> definitely not an industry plant. <laughs> Then, on June 6, 2008, uh, commenter Touch My Pagina said, <laughs> said, this is the only new GNR song I can listen to without puking on myself. Axel right. should quit it. Slash and Axel need to put their difference aside and start out with a, with a your reunion. Velvet Revolver is dying slash dead and new GNR is awful. Give the true fans what they want. Stop acting like little girls. Get over yourselves and reunion. It's the only way to go without making fools of yourselves. It's crazy to see that the wise words of touch my pagina were heeded and ultimately followed. Um, Thank you, touch my pagina. Thank you, touch my pagina. I also wrote one more thing in my notes is that it sounds like the music from the end of like a Leonardo DiCaprio That's what I was gonna say. the 90s during a nostalgia. This is yeah. very Radiohead. The very beginning of it, very beginning of it is like exit yeah. music or yeah. the talk show. Yeah, like a Baz uh, talk show store. host yeah. or a rabbit in your headlight, uncle, like very much yeah. like yeah. that thing. But then I was like, I didn't, I didn't mind it at first. I was like, okay. And the way that he's singing, his voice sounds older it sounds truly aged and he's letting his voice be aged 
And then it's just like, how are we going to fuck this up? Oh, yeah, let's abandon this idea that we're on for a new idea. And it's just like, you've got a playground. Why don't you play on that playground? No, 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 no. Yeah. No, not going to do it. All right. I got to build another one. (laughs) We got got a couple more left, Matt. Which makes me ask. Yes. How? (laughs) How are we going to get through? But also, how long is this album? And is it respectful of our time? Matt, this album clocks in as sweet. 71 minutes and 18 seconds. Good old 11, one hour, 11 minutes. 71 minutes and 18 seconds. And uh, that's not new metal at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, it's my no, fault. I'm not angry at you. How can I uh, angry at you? Remember Shackler's, remember Shackler's Revenge? Oh man, we were just kids. We were just kids when we did that song. Yeah, yeah. Which sounds like the name of a ride. Oh yeah, if you can, Shackler's Revenge. Kevy, listen, I'm gonna go hit the bathrooms and get some big steak fries. Meet me at Shackler's Revenge at two, okay, buddy? All right, we got fast passes. We're going right to the front. All right. Uh, I'll right. ride the Shackler. You ride the Revenge. That's right. That's right. It's a duel. It's one of those duel ones, like the Gemini. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, let's do this. Let's do it. This song's called "This I Love." Now I don't know why she wouldn't say- no. <laughs> No, we're not doing it, guys. We're not doing it. I know what that song is. It's not good. We don't need to hear it. We're good. We heard enough. I wrote in my notes, no, not more piano. And then I said, this is not November rain. Like it's, it's, this is, this is, we have November rain at home. What's funny is that Axl Rose does have November rain at home and he still made this anyway. It's crazy. I've been working with this great music producer. His name's Eric Ratz. Uh, he's brilliant. He's done like, Every Billy Talent album, oh, cool. every Cancer Bats record, nice. he's so good. And he has this term for if you're listening to a song, the point where you're, you, your mind wanders is called a laundry moment. It's like, is my laundry? Do I need to do my laundry? That whole song is a laundry yeah. moment. There's been a lot of laundry moments throughout the album. That is the pinnacle. And that's the one Axel said in like 98 he's like i wrote this song and it's the heaviest thing i've ever written and he's talking about that song wow wow you'll never know matt nope you'll never know i'll be okay i'll be okay i promise <laughs> i mean me keep living it's amazing i mean like i said matt you can always go to your local library and get this <laughs> through interlibrary loan all right once again, I play a Chinese man. Uh, Axel is a terrible idea. Uh, Fine, I'm gonna put this I this I love on it there. Good. Uh, I want to see. Oh, this I love has been played live 379 times. Mm. Most recently God. played October 27th, 2023, at Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I got to pull up this set because I got to know when this happened. I got to know when in the set this happened. Uh, This was played. Knowing Axel, it was somewhere where it would completely kill the momentum of a bunch of Oh, you are not ready. You're not ready. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Here it goes, guys. I'm going to write. So this, I'm going to start from song 22 of a 32 song set. 
They played Civil War into a slash guitar solo that was preceded by band introductions into Sweet Child of Mine, into November Rain, into This I Love. Oh, my God. He played November. So November Rain, which is 11 minutes into another ballad. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. You know what? Everyone thought maybe what happened with Chinese democracy, maybe it humbled him. Maybe it made him take a moment and think back. This guy's playing This I Love right after November Rain in 2023. Lessons not learned. Acting like acting like this is what the people want. <sighs> Un- yeah. Fucking believable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh yeah. yeah. This song is five minutes yeah. and thirty-four seconds. You ready? And we're ready. It's the last song in the album. It's called Prostitute. Seems like forever and the day. Who did the tuning on its voice? It's terrible. 2008. Go full T Pain. What are you. Why not? <laughs> and what's funny, Matt, is that when I listened to this album, it was like driving me crazy of like what a lot of this vocal and music sounded like and vertical horizon was like my main go-to and my note for the song my only note for the song is vertical horizon ass song but when you said robbie williams earlier matt that is really yeah, really where it goes one. and i'm i'm been on the record i'm a robbie williams fan but this but the, definitely there is a sound to his music that's sort of like it's like a it's not a rock band sound. Mm-hmm. It's a pop band sound. Yes. And every now and again they try to, you know, like yeah. honestly, pull up pull up Robbie real quick, Matt, and play from The Ego Has Landed, which I know is a comp. Don't write me, don't at me. That's how I got into him. <laughs> and you know what? Just play Lazy Days. Just play the opening of Lazy Days. Okay. But the thing about this song is that it's actually a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, I can't explain how much I was just enjoying yeah. that mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, yeah. The thing that that cuts through is like <laughs> that may have been studio session players, but they are all locked in and playing a song. Yeah. Instead of like, yeah, whatever we just listened to for almost two hours, like. <laughs> Guys, that's um, that is that's that's Chinese Democracy. It's Chinese Democracy, the album by Guns N' Roses that came out in 2008, and that uh, we started listening to in 2008, and somehow just finished now. Um, and now it's the part yeah. of the show where we talk about cannon talk. Kevin, the cannon. Let's talk about the cannon. We'll start with you. Okay. I mean, none of it goes in because like. No one. I, I love how I suggested it, the album, and then I say it's not good enough for the canon. 
Uh, I will say of, of, of its time, a very new metal thing that happened was that they premiered Shackler's Revenge, a single, the way they premiered it was on Rock Band. And that is a very of that time oh, yeah. thing mm-hmm. to do. But I still, I mean, if you're showing somebody the new metal canon for the first time, I don't think you'd show them any of this stuff. But it's definitely inspired by it, and it definitely has players on it that participated in new metal history. For sure. Matt, what's, what's, what, what of, the, of your favorite songs from this album, if you could just narrow down which one you want to go in the can, just let me know yeah, real okay. quick. Yep. Um, you know, I'm, I'm real. Really torn between Catcher in the Rye, uh, Riyadh and the Bedouins. I mean, Madagascar, they're all so good. They're all mm-hmm. so good. Each one better than the last. What a listen um, that you both listened to this three times uh, and that you had listened to it prior, Kevy, is really a testament to your endurance and your spirit. Yeah. I appreciate uh, both of your uh, both of you girding your loins and and plowing through because that yeah. was fucking terrible. That was not good. I like Guns N' Roses. I mean, Appetite is kind of a yeah. cover to cover classic. I know that Axel is polarizing, but that's really the secret sauce there. But the problem with that yeah. is then you get this, and it's like uh, I'm gonna make pet sounds. But instead of making pet sounds, you recorded the actual sounds of pets. And it's like, it's like, no, no, (laughs) not the same thing. Um, It is not, it's overblown. It's too long. Um, It's too many ideas. If if they would have just done a duets album where he borrows the style of the person of whom he's doing the duet with to it would have been an easier pill to swallow and not called it guns and roses but that it is called guns and roses it's yeah. like um makes me think of something that he said on appetite for destruction where he's like i see you sitting there you think you're so cool well, why don't you just a uh, fuck off <laughs> Which is from It's So Easy, um, <laughs> which is, like, yeah. that's what I want from this band. So, no, nothing in the canon. Beautiful. I'm going to go to my notes for this one. I wrote that this is a bad album, and I didn't enjoy it, and it's not <laughs> new metal, and I don't have anything for the canon. Credit where it's due, I don't think this is the worst album I've listened to for the show. Nope. There are definitely yeah. the worst ones. And uh, I did have the thought, I was like... Kevy is such a nice guy. Why did he do this? Maybe he'll have another album he'll recommend. And then in the midway of this episode, you're like, we should do Generation Swine by Motley Crue. And I'm like, maybe <laughs> Kevy isn't a nice guy. Maybe this is a trick. I don't know. Hey, listen. Listen, uh-huh. I am a nice guy, but I'm also a fan of the show. And my favorite episode is The Standard. Oh, so well, okay. I like hearing you guys under pressure. And uh, and I got what I wanted tonight. So thank you very much for having me. And also wow. sorry that you had me. Anytime. Anytime. Well, thank you so much, Kevy. Um, <laughs> thank you. So yeah, uh, Chinese democracy not in the new metal canon. Um, nope. Before we go, Kevy, Fake Shark, new mm-hmm. album out. Yeah. Talk to us. Obviously, when we record this album, is not out yet. But the album will be coming out. Talk to us about it. Is this a new direction? Mm-hmm. Are you guys yeah, singing tell me, like how Tina many Turner? tracks? 25? 26? So it came out in okay. 2008. <laughs> uh, 37 producers. Uh, no. 
Uh, the album comes out January 12th. My whole band are really into uh, Britpop, like uh, like garage rock from the mid 2000s. And so we, we kind of made our love letter to like the hives and love stuff it. for this record. So that's kind of our thing. Touring Cross Canada, 21 dates uh, starting mid-January. And the album comes Beautiful. out January 12th. Amazing. So it's called, it's called Afterglow. So. Awesome, awesome. Definitely check it out. The uh, first single, excellent. Very much enjoyed it. Added it to my rotation. And um, my only recommendation for your tour is uh, you guys should do Slither. (laughs) Yes. Definitely bring that up. And I'm not kidding when I say that we did say that because we're touring with our friends and the fight we had about Revolver versus Audio Slither with them. And so we said... We have to settle this on stage. Let's cover Slither all together. So that that did beautiful. Come up. Anyway, beautiful. Uh, I, <laughs> I love it. And uh, you know, to go out, I, I just wanted to see. You know, because obviously Guns and Roses now in 2023 doing one to three Chinese democracy songs a night. I just wanted to see what was going on at the uh, initial reunion in 2016, the Not in Your Lifetime tour. So I pulled up the set list from Ford Field. It was June 23rd, 2016. They did three songs from Chinese Democracy. They did Better, the, the title track, and This I Love. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, Chinese Democracy, uh, it looks like Chinese Democracy is locked in as the third song of the night. It looks like when you go see Guns N' Roses, bet on Chinese Democracy locked in, yeah, a third. Uh, third. So, Yeah amazing um they did uh they did better uh right after sweet child of mine wow bring them up and then knock them down unbelievable um (laughs) they did this i love in between raw power a raw power cover and civil war i gotta tell you going to see guns and roses a little bit like hazard pay a little bit wow (laughs) unbelievable Uh, uh one thing i forgot to mention growing up in vancouver one of our few uh rock concert riots was chinese democracy axel no showed oh wow yeah so cop cars got flipped over and stuff everyone's like standing there like if i don't hear street of dreams these cars gonna lose it lose it you and all your buddies being like madagascar we won't get to hear it destroy this vehicle yeah. This ah. is for Catcher in the Rye. Ah. <laughs> uh, Kevy, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for coming on. A true pleasure. Uh, everybody, yeah. check out Fake Shark. Uh, check out those tour dates if you are in Canada. Get to see uh, Kevy Rocket live and yell Slither from the audience. And uh, until next time, uh, keep on saying hello to us online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Roach Coach on all of those. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, Matt, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Kevin, thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.